0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Point of Origin, episode 31, the show where we learn there's an aircraft called the galaxy. <laughs> I had no idea. I've seen this episode before, and I still had no idea.
1: An aircraft carrier. An aircraft
0: carrier. I forgot it was a carrier. I just thought yeah. it was a... To be fair, technically, an aircraft carrier is a it's type of... It's still an aircraft carrier. No. No, no, that no it's, it's a ship. a ship, huh? Whatever. The point is, there's an aircraft carrier called a galaxy, which I learned today. Twice now, because apparently I didn't learn it the first time I watched it. <laughs> <laughs> you just heard "Galaxy" and we're like, "Cool, cool." cool. <laughs> I mostly went, "Really? It's called a galaxy? That's an interesting title. Why is it called a galaxy?" And and then it's, I
1: just, because it's so big. I mean, I just thought they didn't have a dick then. <laughs> Someone probably offered. Right, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, so uh, I'm Mel and I'm Liz, and uh, today we are covering season two, episode nine, secrets. And the I have a secret for you on how
0: to write a good episode. <laughs> involve one less secret in the construction of this episode.
1: Listen, Terry Curtis boxed it the best he could. I,
0: again, I'm not... With having to do so many fucking stories. It was actually lines. an ambitious attempt, and I really don't think it was a bad episode. It's mostly just that there was just slightly too much going on, so they we They just were... needed to take out the
1: reporter. Yeah, honestly, because like, in
0: another episode... I, I, th- I remember being uncomfortable, thinking this was going to be a
1: thing, and yet they barely even mm-hmm. paid attention to it, so it's a weird secret to I want, barely I pay almost, attention to. It. I feel like either... The reporter storyline was originally bigger. Oh, yeah, I mean, it had, had to down be. Or Rad, uh, Rad, Brad Wright and Glasner asked him to put in something about that as lead-in for later, future issues. Because we know reporters are going to be an issue right. later yes. down the line. Yeah, not see and that. season two is where they're starting to like invest in that continuity. But season two is where we start seeing a lot of like planning ahead for future things. So yeah. either it was originally a bigger plot line, but they're like, yo, you only have 40 minutes. You have to cut this <laughs> down. Right. Or it was never in there to begin with. And they're like, hey, they're off of base. This would be a good opportunity for us to start planting these seeds. I honestly think it's the first one of um, reducing
0: it because it felt like that storyline, you know, did have a a bit of a point beyond mm-hmm. just, you know, the aspect of the secret being revealed. Yeah. I feel like it was also a way of a... To slightly indicate a darkness to a different character, potentially, oh, considering an yeah, yeah, yeah. ending scene. Yeah. as like, oh, mm-hmm. interesting. Well, it's, it's a good take on that. Um, which, we'll obviously, we'll get to. But yeah. that feels like that was intentional. So I feel like this, this storyline had to be more of a thing originally mm-hmm. and then got reduced. And I feel like that's kind of where the mistake is. Because, honestly, this that's the storyline that you should have either not included... Or included better. Yeah. Because that's where the fumble is in this episode. Absolutely. Is it clogs this yeah, episode? It, it really just
1: clogs up everything, the works, everything. Well yeah, no, I I absolutely agree with you. It is a little too cluttered. Like I said, it, it should just take that and put it in another episode. Yeah, exactly. Or um, exactly. It just needed better emphasis and honestly
0: more content to it because it's such a tiny thing yeah. to be used in such an intentional, what seems to be an intentional manner. And I honestly, I kind of like the word I stumbled on there on accident, which was fumble, mm-hmm. which isn't really. It wasn't a huge travesty no. of uh, of an episode. It was um, a perfectly fine episode. Exactly. Yeah, construction wise, honestly, compared it's to a good the last
1: episode. Yeah. We had
0: to watch. Yeah. Good effort sounds kind of condescending. I mean, in the, in the not condescending way, it's actually a better episode than your usual fare. Absolutely. Yeah. It just fumbles, unfortunately, which. Stand, it stands out in a good episode when you make those little mistakes. Mm-hmm. There are a lot <laughs> of strong
1: points to this episode. I do think it's also interesting to compare. Uh, so, this episode was written by Terry Curtis Fox. Yes. Who we've had before. He did Prisoners. And I do think when you compare it to the tightness of Prisoners. That also explains
0: a, w- a lot about why this episode's so well done. Yeah, because that episode's also pretty well crafted mm-hmm. in terms of
1: just like the build up of the episode. But I think that one fumble does show a lot more, especially when you contrast it with his other work that we've yeah. seen him with. Because yeah. there were no really outlying extraneous parts that got dropped too quickly in Prisoners. Exactly. Prisoners was all about planning stuff. Well, oh, one thing I do actually remember, though, is remember
0: a weird guy with his, with the shit on his face? He was. Remember, we, we talked about how he True. might be a dropped element. Yeah, maybe it's indicative about that. He writes episodes with a little too much going on, maybe? and they always have to tell him to cut some. And stuff. And they unfortunately
1: out. cut a little too much, maybe yeah. with their gouging. Thinking back to why we're like, why is this character's? Yeah, that's absolutely Terry Curtis's thing. Yeah. That's what happened. That's absolutely what happened. I, mean, t- t- I know it's not f- episodes a pattern till
0: three, but it, uh, fuck it, I'm going with two. No, here. it
1: makes <laughs> sense to me now. Terry Curtis Fox writes slightly too large episodes, and then they have to be like, dude, you have to. You have to trim. Right. You have to trim. <laughs> maybe it's not that per se. Maybe
0: it's like a, an alternate version of that, which is uh, that he maybe conceives more in his head than mm-hmm. he ends up putting down because he knows there isn't time, but he's unwilling to let go of those elements <laughs> because it makes a better story yeah. like, ultimately, even mm-hmm. if it's not always the most cohesive. Because it's not like the stray ends are super bad usually. Mm-hmm. So like the guy had the stuff on his face. We were like, we devoted a good amount of time going, like, what the fuck is he there for? But at the same time, he also added... Flavor Absolutely. to the episode, mm-hmm. so if that was the end goal, I guess we that that was a pretty good success, yeah, and so he, in the end here it's I wouldn't say i guess like I said, this isn't a bad episode, it's really well crafted, mm-hmm. it's just maybe he conceived of something more going yeah. on there, and so it did not translate as well, and at the end of
1: the day, both of those like perceived quote unquote dropped elements from prisoners and this episode both still have things that you can just. You can choose to read into it yourself. Yeah. So, like, with him, we did a lot of a, well, you know, thinking about what kind of personality he had in that prison. And, like, what his goals were and everything. Mm-hmm. We talked about that a lot. Mm-hmm. And in the same way, when we get to, like, uh, one of the elements of the plotline with the reporter in this episode, there are still a lot of things you can sit there and think about. And, like, you went down, like, the perceived darkness of one character, I actually came up with a completely other possibility yeah. for an answer to it as well. And that's, again, one of those things where I think Terry Curtis Fox does very well with giving us just enough information for us to start coming up with our own theories. Yeah, no, this
0: it definitely shows his style writing again, mm-hmm. because how much of Prisoners was open-ended? Absolutely. right, And how and much I that feel, was open for interpretation. And I
1: feel like because that's his style of writing what might be more of a weakness with another writer we can just with his style of writing just take the reins ourselves yeah. at that point yeah it would be more dissatisfying of to to have some of these again i'm putting quotes around yes. dropped elements <laughs> right. from another writer who isn't good at seeding those open mm-hmm. endings.
0: By the way, I do have to say, just for my own personal sanity, because um, that's going to come up at some point, it's going to seem like a bit of a weird uh, Yui on my part, that <laughs> I, s- I start saying all these really good things about it, and then at some point I start going, this is why I fucking hate this episode. <laughs> so I do have to put it out now. When I'm talking about this as a good episode, I do mean in terms of general writing, crafting, and... Just general construction of the episode's really good. Yeah. I actually do like it from an episode format. But
1: there's a lot of
0: people there are and things happening story in storyline elements mm-hmm. that fucking frustrate me to the point where I was anger-tapping <laughs> my spacebar bar to pause where I was like, no, fuck you. I'm just going to write this little note down real quick and then come back and... Okay, and it's just... And, and seriously, and I understand that it wasn't... I do not get the impression that this was actually somebody saying through his Never writing know. that this was a belief set of his. I don't get that even a little bit. Not I, even I a little bit, I, do. bit, I also yeah. don't think it plays as much, um, sorry, I don't think it's also as much of a case of a something we're talking about in Family, uh-huh. where we. I was mentioning a lot about how I really just have a deep dislike of inherent um, problems with societal upbringings and um, you know indoctrination, indoctrination type stuff and how that can come across in writing and so for example how a different culture still has the exact same you know yeah. ways of viewing women for example that we do it's almost as if it was written by somebody on earth <laughs> you know it's that kind of thing so i and i obviously i'm not saying that that's not playing in here what i'm trying to say is i don't think it's as much of a case there with these elements that frustrate me in yeah. this episode i think it's Less to do with personal views coming through on accident and more to do with, A, maybe not the best idea of how that representation should be actually portrayed in another culture because of just general ignorance. Uh And on top of it, as sexist as it does sound, guys don't write well from the perspective of women. Because, I'm sorry, until you've spent two millennia or uh, written history alone being the oppressed gender, you just don't... No. understand that perspective as well. So you have some a lot of men are willing to try. Yes, exactly. And I'm not saying that people and who don't aren't are not willing, maybe they just don't think of it. Yeah. I'm not trying to get into that whole conversation. I just I, I just didn't care for a lot of really casual language being thrown around this woman as if she wasn't there and oh, yeah. the same old trope always happening. where it's not even really I don't I don't know if this is actually a cliche that people really identify because I don't I don't hear it mm-hmm. anyway. But I call it a cliche of the single advocate, where this chick has one person on her side, one dude on her side, and everybody else is just kind of vaguely aware that she's a person. Mm -hmm. And I'm kind of sick of that. But it's more of an accidental thing in this case, because it wasn't like he was trying to show that as the point. He was trying to show all the people around her who were concerned about her and concerned about the situation reacting as such. So... Maybe I'm just giving him more credit than I give Catherine Powers, because I just have (laughs) such a deep dislike of Catherine Powers at this point. Well, he's proven himself better than she that. Maybe it's just because I have a general better like of him, so I'm giving him more credit. Either way, I get this general feeling of it. And this episode, as a result, those elements piss me off. Do not get me wrong. I'm not going to give him any excuses for them. But... They just didn't have the same grossish feel yeah. beyond that. Because like, it just like, didn't feel like a guy was telling me again mm-hmm. that, isn't she lucky to have an advocate? It's like, no, I didn't get that feeling at all.
1: Yeah, no, there's, there's, I've mentioned this before, that, like, you can have people or even scenarios in a story or a TV show or a movie or whatever portraying, like, unfavorable, terrible things. As long as the narrative Addresses of it. the story... <laughs> is not enforcing those. Is not saying, yes, this is the right thing. I remember a couple years ago this was more of an issue. I think people have calmed down a tiny bit, but there was a couple years ago where anytime there was any character in like a tv show or whatever that said something that was even a little bit sketch or whatever, people were like attacking the tv show as a whole, and it's like Characters are allowed to be flawed. You remember that, right? If if the show isn't saying, yeah, this person's right for saying this, right? Yeah. Calm down. Sometimes people, it's context. Yeah, Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. yeah that was the thing. People were like, yeah. and like I said, I don't think I don't see it happening as much. Although I just don't pay attention to fandom as much anymore, so it might still be happening. I don't yeah, know, maybe, right? <laughs> but I do remember a couple years ago, just being so frustrated with people who were just so ready to be mad at something for. For a character having flaws. Right. And it's like, do do you want a story with no conflict and all perfect? That's not a story. Right. That's, do you understand? If the narrative is not enforcing their flawed views, it's not something you should be complaining about. Yeah. So, like we said, this episode was written by Terry Curtis Fox, and it was directed by Dwayne Clark. Yes, his only episode. Huh. I believe. At least that's what the trivia said. It's fine editing. Uh, editing directing <laughs> i can't think of anything really standing out to me
0: i'm actually very much okay with this being his only directing because i have one thing that stands out oh, to yeah me, and i told it to you before uh when i came over the car scene oh yeah, yeah that incident. was horribly yeah i under i I'm, I'm doing this with a great assault because i do understand as we have definitely mentioned in previous episodes production can sometimes be a nightmare mm-hmm. i don't I can only imagine what might have gone down on the days of filming to make things uh, annoying. I just found out for, um bag season two, uh, there's supposed to be a fox in there at uh-huh. one point. And they actually had a live fox, but apparently the day of filming, she was really nervous and was having a hard time with all the city noise. So she ended up not being able to do Aww. her scene. So they ended up having to CGI the fox. Stuff happens. Yeah. Maybe there were elements at play that kept them from being able to film this scene in a way that didn't look
1: garbage. Yeah, we said that, like, between but... that and the other episode where you saw, like, really terrible continuity with the guards. Yeah, that maybe there had to be a couple yep. of uh, rushed reshots.
0: I'm guessing something else was happening, or maybe it's just a really bad example of someone's cinematography abilities yeah, maybe. whatever the case that car scene and then a later scene that i'll be ranting about that mel just mentioned with uh, some fighting guards it's the little things because they distract me so much that kill an episode for me or a movie mm-hmm. where it's just how did i can't focus on what i'm supposed to be focusing on because all i can focus on is why the fuck is that guy standing again wasn't he unconscious <laughs> a second ago so yeah, with those two elements, honestly, I would actually say this may not really yeah. be his best work, and I'm kind of okay with it not
1: having to be something I have to re, uh, reacquaint myself with later. Yeah, that worked out fine. Uh, the official synopsis for this episode is, the entire Stargate project is imperiled when a reporter threatens to expose the mysteries of the top secret portal. O'Neill attempts to stop him while the rest of the team tries to save Jackson's wife, who has been impregnated with a gold. Is this the end of Stargate? They don't even talk about Sam's plotline. Okay, so I think that just kind of proved what we were talking about earlier. There is
0: literally no way in fucking hell that that reporter storyline wasn't meant to be more of a dominant no. story. Because, again, it barely even takes place in this yeah. episode. And it's so quickly brushed aside as, as a problem, mm-hmm, literally. Mm-hmm. Also, I love that the um, idea that journalists wouldn't have, I don't know, all of the backups... Because they're journalists. And isn't that kind of what they do is back up their stuff?
1: Was it that easy in the 90s? I mean. Was it as easy as it is now? I mean, floppy discs. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, maybe. Um, It's not like they had a cloud back then. True, true. Yeah, mean You could just send someone to his house
0: I, and get everything. I just find it funny. Okay, so that probably did not think about, it, and you, you just completely came up. Wrong, <laughs> there you go. So they definitely, did, they definitely did have a, a cleaner, because t- yeah. if it, it plays into my theory that I'll talk about later, that, that actually, if... So, never mind. But still. <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> I like how they I just interrupted you and completely no, hey, I mean, it's not the first time, right? You <laughs> saved me energy. <laughs> yeah. But you But still, on the other hand, my other complaint about it is still kind of valid. Thankfully, he gets introduced as, like, a threat element and then wiped away in less than 15 minutes. Oh, yeah. And that's just such a weird thing to do if you intended for that to be impactful in any way.
1: Unless, unless it's supposed to be some sort of commentary, this is very thin, but (laughs) unless it's supposed to be some sort of commentary on how quickly the government can erase things like that.
0: That that part isn't what I mean. This is me bitching about the slushed outness of it, sorry. Uh-huh. Um, because speed could still have been an element. In a positive way yeah. here, uh, at least at least as a non-issue in this way. At the very least, it couldn't have it could have been done in a way that wasn't detracting. Mm-hmm. In that, I feel in that once again, don't have a better solution, I guess. Yeah, because I don't necessarily know what you would do outside of just giving this guy more runtime. Yeah, which he didn't have, which wouldn't yeah. necessarily go into speed. <laughs> except that this takes place over a period of like a, well, like a cocktail party, basically. Mm-hmm. So again, more runtime still could have fit within that time view he's in he's introduced as a, a threat right yeah and you don't know anything about him no. you don't know if he's lit and again maybe it's supposed to be implied that this was that somebody did all this digging off screen decided that he was a real threat and then took action maybe i could see that except i really don't i really really don't because he's literally brought up assessed And done away with in a amount of time that, speaking of the technological, you know, restraints of the time, like, if you're going to bring up a journalist, make it be someone legit. Mm -hmm. Like, establish that he's a famous reporter or that he's known for breaking these kinds of cases. It's too quick to be anything more than a bug on the windshield, and I don't think the storyline was meant to be a bug on the windshield. It should have been more (laughs) than just a mild annoyance. I should have been actually uncomfortable. Yeah. I was dreading this episode because I was going to be uncomfortable about a hard-hitting reporter that makes everybody worried. And instead, he's not even invasive. They make a comment about a parabolic microphone, and that's like a public utility item at yeah. most. So it's just, I i have a construction level problem
1: with it. No, it definitely had to get cut down. Yeah.
0: So they could have, if they had flushed him out at all... Speed could have been no, fine. I, I like your been... comment
1: about they should have had a hip, they, they could have had a line where they confirm that he has a history of breaking topsy secret, yeah, just any reason All as to why they're taking him so seriously would have been yeah. useful, yeah. yeah, because no, I agree Got They it. don't
0: really establish why they're taking him seriously, they say that he has evidence. I'm like, okay, cool, but here's the thing I know that the word deepfake is more of a thing we use nowadays, but. The concept of faked evidence mm-hmm. existed back Absolutely. then. And government playing off shit like Roswell, obviously it really was, as we found out, a crashed weather balloon, mm-hmm. but everyone assumed for the longest time there was a crappy cover story. But at least it was like a functional cover story. Yeah, they, I don't get any of that feel here. Yeah. <laughs> I don't get any real feel. They throw around some words like, we have a cover, I know it's fake, oh no, we do have a problem. And I'm like, uh, okay, do you though? <laughs> you seem nonchalant about this and i just i don't feel like it was executed well
1: do you want to actually yeah. uh, start talking about the episode yeah. instead of around the episode okay. so uh the episode opens up with them looking at a mouth video uh coming in through avados and it's kasuf at looking at the at the camera
0: kudos to the ad- whichever adult was in charge of making sure that no one went for the st- Stupid easy trope of having the guy put his nose right to the camera, so you're like looking up his nose hairs. It's it's gross, and I see it far too often. <laughs> and it's like, hey, ha, hey, chuckle worthy. But they didn't do that here. He get his nose super close to it. Yeah, but they just does go. go Ooh.
1: Yeah, but they have to go full gross. And whichever adult was in charge of that, I thank them. Uh, but yeah, so they're talking about how it's been a year, the gate has been unburied, and Daniel promised to go back through. <laughs> I made a note here saying Daniel still. Isn't wearing his glasses. First note. <laughs> oh look, no glasses.
0: Literally first. No- well,
1: he, I I mean, the episode
0: opens on his face,
1: so it's kind of hard not to notice I the lack of aviators. There is one scene where he is wearing his glasses.
0: Yeah, he makes sure to wear them. He goes through the avados. It's like, oh, what? You're afraid they're not gonna recognize you? <laughs> but You're then, not
1: Clark Kent, dude. But then, like, as soon as like he starts being upset, he stops wearing his glasses. <laughs> It's supposed to be like an emotional element. I don't know. Maybe,
0: maybe he was never blind. Maybe it was all psychosomatic, uh, and he just uses them as a way to block himself from the world. They're used as
1: a as a way to mask himself. I mean, that's kind of what uh, the protagonist in Persona Five does. There His you go. glasses aren't functional. There you go. He just starts wearing them when he's a a juvie kid being sent to another city. Maybe, maybe
0: he's like maybe he's like Reverse Batman. You know, like when uh, I forgot who was who was screwing with him, but. Somebody was screwing with Batman, and they kept calling him uh by Bruce. And the re- the reason why he knew that it was a fake was an illusion was because they kept calling him Bruce, and, and in his head he doesn't call himself Bruce. God. Yeah. So he's not wearing glasses. Oh are yeah. So yeah, maybe maybe it's like that. Maybe maybe he maybe he just you know he doesn't respond to the world <laughs> unless he has his glasses on.
1: Um, Daniel, uh, so Daniel's like, you know, I promised in a year I'd go back through. And I was like, I leaned over and I said, turn on ACDC. Uh, and Jack reminds Daniel that he said he'd be back in a year with shouting, And, uh, Daniel's like, okay, well, Kasuf at least deserves to know that, you know, I'm still searching for her. I'm still trying, uh if I don't go through now they're gonna bury it again and never unbury it. So Hammond points out that Sam and Jack are doing Washington. Doesn't say why at this point, just that they're supposed to be leaving in like a couple hours. That's that
0: that's honestly a great general piece of evidence, I guess, about his kind of character because somebody in charge isn't used to explaining themselves. So yeah. he just, you know, he doesn't explain yeah. why. He just says they're doing Washington. Well, he I gives mean, him... Daniel just, knows why. Yeah, but again, A, the that case, it's just better writing for not doing yeah. extra expository crap. Or on the other hand, it's a good little element of his character because he both. doesn't... let yeah. And to be fair, it's not like anyone was asking, but he's not like us who just tends to, like, throw everything out. He's a general. Yeah, you know what?
1: It's, it's he exposition has without being... Killer. Kill, yeah, it doesn't kill the flow. Yeah. And again, I just... I just appreciated the element especially, of him not mentioning why. Especially because they naturally manage to get why they're going to right. Washington now in right. a later dialogue. Yeah. So it's like, you don't need to give... And actually, this is... Terry Curtis Fox has done this before in Prisoners. He He shows that you can have bits of exposition string along throughout one or two different scenes. He realizes you don't have to spend... 10 minutes having exposition in one scene, you can have two minutes of some of the exposition here, have other stuff happen, add more exposition Exposition into it naturally, have some more stuff happen, finish up the exposition. I used to have a
0: weird opinion of Clint Eastwood, because mm-hmm. I was only really aware of him from his uh, speaking at Republican convention. <laughs> but one thing I did really like was I was reading up on his directorial style, mm-hmm. and I was fucking pounding my fist in the air with happy, just pure happy, because he purposely doesn't overdo his shit in his movies because he expects the audience to be able to figure it out. He purposely doesn't like to spoon-feed his audience
1: the story. He trusts the audience to have some measure of intelligence. Exactly. And I feel like, not directorially-wise
0: here, necessarily, it's the same kind of feel, but I get the feel in the writing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Much more.
1: Yeah. Um. So, yeah, Ham says Sam and Jack are due in Washington, so they can't go through. Daniel says, Avidos is safe, and I can't imagine I'd be safer with anyone, uh, with, uh, safer with anyone but Teal'c. Tha-la. Yeah, basically <laughs> putting his life into Teal'c's hands. He's like, I completely trust this man. I'm totally cool with it. I do like this tiny little moment between them, because too, cause just like oh, thank you, Daniel Jackson. Just like very earnestly, and yeah, like a little surprise like, moment. He's just kind of like, oh, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I didn't know you thought this way about me. And I'm like, yeah. well, you. And I like how, in reaction to that, Daniel has a little tiny half laugh in response. just like, yeah, you know, <laughs> it's cute. It's just like really good um, character interaction. Like you see the the chemistry there. Mm-hmm.
0: I I just realized I relate. To- to Daniel here in a way, because how many times have you and I accidentally stumbled on this thing where,
1: because of how we think,
0: we and another friend of ours thinks, we tend to um, fall into that trap of, we understand that if we don't want to be somewhere, we, we just leave. Yeah. <laughs> we are what others might call rude. I call us
1: pragmatic. <laughs> so that meme of the person with flipping the peace sign who starts to fade out. <laughs> right, literally. Just
0: like, I uh, enjoy seeing elements of that in other, other, uh-huh. other places, cause mostly just because it makes me feel better about yeah. myself. So... I uh, think Daniel here might have. This is totally reading into it, of course, but I like that because of how we at you Demio know, have seen certain other elements of Daniel's personality, it could be that he has never actually ever said anything like that before to Teal because he is always just indicated by his presence yeah. that he trusts Teal with his safety. Yeah. And he is the only real, like, solid thing in his life that he would trust with his safety. And he demonstrates that every time he walks next to Teal, for mm-hmm. example, through the gate. You know, it's. All these elements that, for him, he's never felt the need, understood why it would even be a concept yeah. to have to vocalize that, right? Because it would, without being said. Obviously, Tid wasn't like that. It <laughs> isn't like that. Well, and I just like this element where it might have been that scene, might have been a kind of case of him saying it for the first time out loud, and that's why tip was like, oh, I didn't realize you thought that mm-hmm. way about me. And Daniel's little half-lap might have been like, yeah, duh, I go through the gate every day with you. Of course, man. Why? Come on. That's like him. I love this potential wordless interaction mm-hmm. of him going, oh, my God, I'm really touching it that way. And him like, laughing it off going, of course, dude. I go with you every day. You're my coworker. You're my buddy. And honestly, you're really fucking good at your job. Yeah. And it's good appreciation. All off the cuff without any actual words, potentially.
1: And I, I like, like that. that there's actually also, like, some unspoken allusions to the history there, mm-hmm. though. Because it wasn't always that easy between them in season one. True. Because Teal was the person <laughs> who took shot. Right, right? exactly. exactly. So, like, I think the fact that, like... You're just probably much more likely, honestly, as a point of this episode. Yeah. Ha- that has Teal be like, oh, thank you, Daniel Jackson. Like, it's this final confirmation, like... It, They've been good with each other for a while now, like, they've had, you know, the the patterns and the reactions, Mm -hmm. and Daniel's trusted him to do things before, but, like, this is the first time he's, like, hearing it out loud, like, oh... You're not holding this against me anymore. You do trust me to be a safe haven in this aspect. You are. You trust so me correct. to come back to Abydos. You yeah. trust me to come back to Abydos When the last time I was there, I stole your wife. Now you are.
0: You are so correct. You are 100. You are beyond 100 percent correct because I'm just realizing how correct. In that, I bet that was literally meant to be a call-out line to, because obviously it's been established it's been one year, mm-hmm. and in that year, we now know a Jafar is safe and a best friend and a companion and a protector and that's a huge
1: leap yeah and i will say as i was talking i realized oh yeah the last time he was on avenue literally
0: (laughs) exactly i I realized the reason why they did it is because they're setting it up so that when they go through stargate and he's able to daniel can immediately (laughs) talk and and that way they don't have that way they don't have teal's reaction happening there as a side thing that you might or may not notice really
1: good framing Yeah. yeah
0: it's like oh fuck good writing okay huh Good
1: moment. It's a good way of doing that to point out. Yeah, and it's good little subtle acting from both uh, yeah, Christopher this episode Judge is and on Michael point Shanks. the whole
0: time, honestly, with them
1: with their Michael Shanks acting. and Christopher Judge's facial acting in this episode is remarkable. Amanda okay. I Tapping does some great crying later, right? <laughs> I, say, I just always extra every anyone
0: can quote unquote pretend and can act. Mm-hmm. Not everyone can act their asses off without with, saying with, it, with literally just their facial muscles. Mm-hmm. And this episode is a very good way to highlight the three of them having this skill mm-hmm. and how somebody did a good
1: casting job for this. Absolutely. So Jack tries to use this whole mission to Abydos as, as an excuse to get out of. And this is where we find out why they're going to D.C. for um, a medal ceremony. Jack and Sam, as the Air Force members, are supposed to be getting... And this is, this is the part where I'm like... It's a top-secret organization. Why are you having a public (laughs) award I know, I know,
0: I know. I I, I don't know if this is bad writing or if it's actually just really representative of how government works. I think it's the second one. Right? I'm just, just it's just, it's tragic. (laughs)
1: Like, I was going, why is this public in the first place? But I'm like, well, it's the government. It's
0: a great (laughs) great way of showing just how good the government is at undermining itself. Mm -hmm. Because they're literally awarding a top-secret specific type of metal yes. to people in a public cover that has no, and, and that's literally an element of this episode, is one of the characters going, yeah, it's funny how you got this medal for it, mm-hmm. for working in deep space telemetry. Yeah. It's interesting how, it's like, if your own members of your branch in the military are going, uh, <laughs> then maybe you shouldn't be doing this. Yeah,
1: maybe. Yeah, so Jack tries and gets denied. And they're like, no, you have, you have to go to Washington, Jack. Not that I judge him. I, uh, <laughs> if I had to, okay. yeah, just the idea in general of having to rub
0: elbows with mm-hmm. people that, for just for, for general small talk and literally no other reason, is yeah. just a nightmare.
1: Yeah. No, I'm with Jack on that. Uh, so Daniel and Teal'c go through the gate. Sif is waiting there. As soon as he sees Teal'c, he's like, oh. oh. And Daniel immediately has to rush forward and be like, no, no, no. This is a friend. He's helping us. He's cool. <laughs> I just like his um. I just like the term "good father." Yes, that's that a is cool, a great a term. Cool term. I like it's that. very respectful, especially considering like we saw in the pilot that Daniel had taken on pretty much like a spiritual leader kind yeah, of yeah uh, position with the group. Like him calling Kasuf "good father," it's still showing. It's still showing the members of of the tribe in on Abidos. No, this is a man you need to respect. Yeah. I know I came through the gate connected to the stars, and I know I saved you from your oppressor, but this is still a man you need to respect and listen to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, he calls him good father. It's, it's great. Yeah, he, get, he gets know, down to business real quick. He yeah. explains pretty fucking quick that... I am okay. not here with your kid. Yeah, I have sorry. You
0: may have noticed. I did not return with your child.
1: And Kasuf, instead of, like, really answering him, just brings him...
0: What I do love is first, when he said, I did not come back with your daughter, he goes, I see this. <laughs> and fucking <laughs> saving. <same> <laughs> yes. And I'm like, oh, sure. And that's, again, obviously it's just to keep the audience in yeah. suspense, which, which is why I hate that. Because it's only ever painfully obvious. It's like how I'm pretty sure the RYACs running out of that room straight into their yeah. arms. I think it only makes sense if that was just to, just to fool the audience. Mm-hmm. Which, once you think about it, that's just
1: dumb. Whereas uh, a big contrast between this small little thing just to be held off for a little bit of intrigue Versus the other one. The other one turned an, half of an episode into yeah, nonsense yeah, yeah, for the entry. Yeah, this is, at least is Whereas this, a this a is just a, a beat that. of delay. <laughs> yes. So basically he's like, come with me. And brings Daniel to his hut where okay, Sade so is waiting. I like how they finally moved the settlement to a
0: smarter location. I mean, to be fair, it's never actually established, really, one way or the other, that this is not just a, another settlement. Like, mm-hmm. their main city still could be where they had it originally, yeah. way off where. I just remember, I remember that bugged me back when we were watching the movie. It just didn't make sense to me. I'm assuming, obviously, mine locations might change because yeah. you exhaust a location. Mm-hmm. I get that. I just had such a problem with the gate location being so fucking far away from the city. Like at no point, because that's where the ships
1: land. Even yeah. Well, here's <laughs> the thing: when they were being oppressed under Ra, I can understand why Ra wouldn't want them near the gate. Oh no, because, because then yeah. they might figure out what's going on. there. Yeah. No. Again, there's not there's there's nothing really that contradicts mm-hmm. actual logical reasons
0: for the city to be so far away. I just enjoyed seeing there was just literally buildings built, like not buildings, like you know, their uh, tent structure cities. Uh, were literally built right up to the wall of the uh, building, which yeah. is like, oh, good. Now that this isn't a problem. Yeah. Now that it's you're nice allowed to, to be here, <laughs> right. right?
1: But yeah, so he brings Daniel into a tent, and Shara is there. Ta-da!
0: A very real-life pregnant about Vandere. Yeah. Vandere. I, I can never say her name right. I'm just gonna call her BB. <laughs>
1: sure. Um, or and you know, it's probably easier. Tooth pulls a zat on her. <laughs> yeah. And Kasuth gets in between his, them. Uh, not
0: instinct, sorry, his uh,
1: reflexes are quick. Yeah, and Kasuth gets between them, uh, and says that she's been with them for more than a season. And Daniel says that uh, this is not Chare. Chare was taken by a gold, and describes the gold as like a demon overtaking her. And I, I love any time that like he's in these kind of scenes where you can see how mad he is. Like, as oh, he's yeah. talking, when he doesn't trust this Shade, he's like, because she calls him my husband, and he's like, no, I am Shade's husband. I am not your husband. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, his... and he's he's furious. I mean, it yeah, when you, as you're literally fury. staring yeah, into exactly. the eyes of your wife's kid, but I love that, like, and, uh, whenever you know Daniel's her. mad, when he's like, quiet about it. That's when you know. Like, Mm -hmm. he'll yell and stomp his feet with Jack all the time. That means nothing. Mm -hmm. When he's furious is when he gets quiet. Mm -hmm. It's like when he shot the tank of the gold larva. He was quiet as they were walking away and then just turned on his heels and shot it. You know if he's quiet, that's when you need to be worried about his anger. So Chaudet confirms it and claims that the gold is asleep right now. Because she's pregnant, and that if the gold wakes up, it'll force an early early labor, and the baby will be stillborn.
0: So I do have to do a quick aside. Yes, it's part of the episode though. Mm -hmm. So I that immediately made me come to some a conclusion, Uh which is that this makes one thing obvious to me, which is when the golds are active, they secrete more hormone, everything, whatever whatever byproducts they they secrete, you know. For us, it's like, you know, uh, sebum oil, mm-hmm. for example, is one of the things that we secrete. Yeah. Anything from our spacious glands, you know, gross shit, sweat. <laughs> um, whatever it is that they give off, that obviously seems to go dormant, you know, much more you know, like like a bear does when it goes into hibernation. Yeah. You know, all of its bodily functions seem to slow. And therefore, I had to look up a little bit uh, as to what the fuck, why would it, I mean, not that it wouldn't make sense, but what is it? secretion-wise, that would cause a baby to be born stillborn. Because mm-hmm. they specifically say born stillborn. Yeah. Which doesn't tell me that it affects gestational development. Mm-hmm. It tells me that it it fucks up, like, placenta, for example. Yeah. Oxygen. The things that are life support, but not developmental, necessarily. Mm-hmm. And also, a later scene makes it potentially apparent that it has something to do also with the... Uh, Pregnancy cycle itself. Yeah. So it could be that they, when they mean still stillborn, they might mean premature. Yeah. Which would be stillborn yeah, if yeah, it was yeah. too premature. Yeah. So I had to look up. A little bit, and I looked into uh, labor induction as a result. Because, mm-hmm. for example, I was actually induced labor. I was, I did not want to leave. I was, <laughs> I was nine months and then some. My due date was like 20-something days before I was finally born. I was a little bit before nine months. Nice. Yeah, no, I definitely wasn't. Uh, my mother was not happy, and <laughs> so she had to go get induced. And even with induction, I stuck around for 33 more hours I that guess I was like you. Honestly, it's probably because I knew it was waiting for me. <laughs> I know I, was, I wasn't gonna
1: make that joke myself, but that's what I was thinking. I was like, "I'll let you make that I joke." I knew it was all downhill from there, so <laughs> you know,
0: I was just, I was good, man. Anyway, I'm not saying it wasn't plausible. I just wanted to know how it was plausible, and it actually fits in almost fucking perfectly because, like, the hormone levels of the body are what you know create labor, for example. You know, make the muscles of the uterus relax and uh-huh. everything. And based on where the gold locates yeah. itself it's next to the thalamus hypothalamus and um the, it's not necessarily close to pituitary gland, but it wouldn't be unheard of yeah it actually t- kind of plays in if it came became active if those secretions you know increased all of a sudden it could literally cause um spontaneous labor Oh! In that moment. It could, potentially. We don't know what chemicals it gives off, but if it gives, considering what the episode seems to indicate, it seems to give off literally anything reminiscent of that Mm -hmm. or something that triggers a similar response in the body. But it looks like it literally relaxes the uterus and just kind of tells it to go. (laughs) And it, based on its location in the brain, it actually, weirdly enough, it's not just because of general applied phlebotinum and vagueness yeah. that it fits. It kind of fits beyond that, <laughs> even a little, a little bit more. That's funny. So I feel like somebody actually did some research there. Just yeah, uh, again, again, it's not like this is even close to like textbook. Yeah, no, no. No physician would look at this and go, "Oh yeah, that's how labor induction works." <laughs> I'm not saying that.
1: You mean hospitals don't employ gold larvae? You know, surprisingly, no.
0: No, it's actually a type of. Uh, Lipid-based something something that is unfortunately named because the person who discovered it f- discovered it off the prostate. It's a seminal fluid, mm-hmm. and it turns out it's actually in pretty much everything. That's just the thing that was seen in first, of course. so it was named after the prostate. And it's actually one of the main things used for labor induction, which I just find ironic and kind of tracks with society. Yeah, That's something named Sounds after a dude's right. body part helps women's body parts because of course it does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just made me happy, but yeah, I'll include the link because it was. I was like, all right, all
1: right, because I did a lot of reading on it. I was like, this does not not (laughs) track. So basically, what we find out with Sade is that, you know, she's in control right now, has been for a while since she came down here, because if the goal takes over, she'll have the child too soon. And Apophis does not want that to happen, because this is Apophis' child, and he plans to use this child to be his new host, which is fucked. (laughs) Yeah, but I am so what? grossed out on yeah, so many levels. But you there. know what works with the god theme? Oh, fuck yeah!
0: <laughs> Hell yeah! It's disgustingly accurate. Plus, I'm sorry, but like on an ultimate creep level, um, how many times have humans um, expressed ownership over their children in a not healthy way? Yeah,
1: we were just talking about Batman. Russell Gould, yeah, was going to take Damien's exactly. body. Exactly, that's why he ran to Bruce. <laughs>
0: Point is, it's a it's a done thing mm-hmm. because it's it's a very easy indicator of evil. Yeah. So, yay, supplanting consciousness and also being creepily incesty at the same time. Like, there's just weird elements of gross there on top of the already there gross elements. Oh yeah. But on a positive note, the meta levels of this scene are cracking me the fuck up
1: because she's actually pregnant in real life at this with scene Michael with Shanks Michael Shanks', Shanks kid. kid. <laughs> Which is great because like when he finds out that this is Apophis's kid, his face acting is phenomenal. And Tilk's too. Like this is this is where I specifically wrote a note saying Tilk and Daniel's face acting is remarkable. Like they're not saying anything in this in this scene following up learning this information. Their faces are just going. And then you just see like Daniel have this final face journey and then just turns and walks out of the, the tent. Oh yeah, I I I understood entirely him. He was having a Keep conversation in, a in his head. But did, <laughs> I,
0: I, I would walk away too. I need a moment. I need a moment to process how fucked everything really is. Oh my lord. But yeah, it just, I kept reminding myself the entire time that It's okay, it's okay and In real life, this is their baby And it's funny <laughs> And I do like knowing that off screen Apparently between takes, Michael Shakes kept like Talking to her belly and telling the kid Don't come out yet, don't come out yet <laughs> Just literally every time between takes said, Don't come out yeah, yet, yeah. just stay right there We don't need this right now, we're
1: acting <laughs>
0: Mommy and daddy are at work I like the idea of
1: like the 20th time Her being like, I think the baby gets it <laughs> Oh, man. But yeah, so he takes a moment. Yeah, he he walks out. So we go to Jack and Sam. Uh, Jack and Sam are on their way to walk to where the little cocktail party is happening. Yeah, and guys, I'm sorry, but if you're gonna be pretending to be in Washington D.C., maybe don't walk
0: down the steps of a very recognizable landmark such as University of British Columbia. <laughs>
1: like I took one look at that thing and went, uh, "Okay." See, I didn't know it was British Columbia University, but I every time they were on those stairs, I was like, "That looks like the front of a library." <laughs> <laughs> I was right. <laughs>
0: Oh, it's like the pretty much like library.
1: Hall, yeah. That's so funny. I haven't been on that campus in years, but yeah. I've never even seen the university, and I still thought it looked like a library. <laughs> in their defense, I do buy a lot of white stone. Oh
0: yeah. In their defense, that was probably like down the street from where they were recording. Yeah, <laughs>
1: filming. Yeah, it was close by. As of any place in Canada, I buy a whole bunch of white stone. Being your yeah, best, DC uh, is filmed all stairs. For yeah. yeah, those wide stairs. It was there. your best option, and I'm sure there's. A million American watchers who didn't recognize the University of BC. Oh, yeah. No, I get you. Canada um, isn't represented enough. No. So, they're talking. Jack's talking about how much he hates this shit.
0: I like her comment, by the way, about this is my old stomping grounds. I kind of helped but think that was a meta joke to Sam being Canadian in real life. Today tapping tappings from Canada and they were actually in Canada. Totally you, reading into it, but I just kept chuckling over it.
1: Uh, but she does mention that she was at the Pentagon for two years trying to get the Stargate started. And they go into the cocktail and you see Hammond is uh, halfway across the room. And he's talking to someone who we just see the back of the person he's, he's talking successfully to. successfully schmoozing. Yeah. You know, Jack calls him a player. <laughs> Which is an excellent use of that word. Yeah.
0: <laughs> for this man in regards to that Hammond. Everything about that made me happy. Yeah, no, I love it. That. That's why I wrote it down. I'm like, Jack calls him into play. I had to watch almost this entire scene, literally start to finish a couple times, because I the first time around, I I, uh, I think I vaguely touched on this, mostly just because I don't want people to think I'm just being such a girl, but I am a total stereotype here. I ship Sam and Jack so fucking hard. <laughs> it's not even funny. I have shipped them since the first moment I got a hint of anything between them, which who the fuck even knows at this point what that was. I just remember being obsessed with them as a kid. Mm -hmm. Um, I loved them. And most of the scene, even though nothing is fucking happening, Mm -hmm. it's like the first time where it's really just them casually interacting in this way in public. This is one of their most platonic
1: uh, single scenes together. Yeah,
0: the entire first time I'm watching this scene, I just cooed the shit over them going, oh my god, they're so cute. Look at them talk. Oh my my god, God. God. look at them talk. Look at them. Look at that! Like, oh my god! Oh my god! Look how oh he's talking. You to her. You know, I'm
1: glad we watched yeah, this episode separately. Look <laughs> how he's talking to her. Oh
0: my god! So yeah, to be fair, I was doing it in my head because my boyfriend was like right next to me. I again like to maintain some semblance of dignity.
1: <laughs> but
0: that's what was happening in front the first of time. Who
1: know you don't have any? <laughs> yeah, it's all about the lie. Okay, the lie to yourself. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, but Hammond notices Sam and Jack and waves them over and as he waves them over the person he was talking to turns around and Sam sees that it's her dad my my first note is daddy carter which honestly sounded so much better in my head <laughs>
0: But yeah, it's, uh, man. That's such a roller coaster for me because I remember him with such fondness that my first like interaction moment there was, "Yay, it's Jacob! Yay, it's Jacob! Oh, it's right, it's Jacob!"
1: Yeah, Fuck we, you, we Jacob. forgot we would like Selma, yeah, not it, Jacob. Jacob. <laughs> Fuck you, Jacob! Fuck you, Jacob! Fuck you, Jacob! Fuck you, Jacob! Uh, so yeah, um, we go to Abydos again. The scene cuts on her going, "Dad." So this, we're still in the tent. Not, we haven't followed Daniel out yet. And she is, uh, like, really upset about Daniel walking out without saying anything. Yeah.
0: She goes, he doesn't love you anymore.
1: And on exact note is, it's not that he doesn't love you, it's that he needs to Yeah. But I do like that tilt because, like, no, no, no. He loves you very much. He, like, doesn't even hesitate. He's like, no. Your love, his love for you is, like, one thing that nobody's going to question. <laughs> and she can remember, she says, I don't remember what prompts this, but she basically talks about that she can remember some of the thoughts of the gold sleeping in her. It has something to do with Apophis's hatred for the town. Or something. <laughs> she describes them as images in her head. Like, she knows who Tilk is, and she knows all of his backstory. Oh, how yeah. It describes that's what her, her memory way. was. She was remembering the yeah. first prime. Okay, I couldn't actually remember yeah. what she was talking you about. Gotcha. It was about being a trailer. traitor. Yeah, exactly. That's what I meant. Yeah. And it's
0: mostly so that they don't have to have a scene where they describe to her who Tilk is. Okay, they're not just images, Char, right? They're convenient.
1: Basically, Tilt comes out and tells Daniel, hey, because she's got the gold in her right now, she has access to the genetic memory of the gold, which could be very useful. It would be, <laughs> if this were true, which we're going to just assume it yeah, is. Yeah, sure, sure. I mean, he's a Jafon, maybe he knows more than we do. I don't fucking know. I suddenly have more of a problem with him making the assumption about her having connection to the genetic memory, but whatever. Teal knows school more than we do, I guess. And he's talking about, like, we can use this connection. And I love that Daniel's first reaction to that is, hasn't she been through enough? And that's where I
0: started getting, talking about the advocating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is where I started to get really furious, is because I'm fucking tired of, it also doesn't even need to be a woman. It's just, it's whenever you have the person who is vulnerable here, and by the way, the person who, no matter what your decision, isn't, being thought of in you talk about her Mm -hmm. as if she's a chess piece yeah talk about moving her around dictating her you talk about her as if she isn't going to be a person oh yeah
1: teal definitely manipulated in such a way teal definitely treats treats her existence like as arbitrary yeah at one point i was like teal You, early on, risked being taken in as a chess piece to be examined, and the team fought for you not to be, so I'm a little disappointed. The biggest problem for me with this episode is the fact that Teal'c, who at one point was threatened with pretty much the same thing that he's mentioning now, on the other hand, maybe because... That was a risk for him at one point. He knows that the team won't let anything too bad happen to her. I don't know. That's the only thing I can think. Because it's, it's so funny how when
0: it's himself he gives a fuck, but when it's somebody else, he's able to play fast and loose with the well maybe she'll be okay. Yeah. I don't it yeah. I see what you're doing. I just Yeah it, no no. It bugs no me. I still
1: have a problem with yeah. it. Like after As, tired of, it as being I was watching one person it, I was like, you were in this position yeah. once. Why would you and play be into cool the with her? And the only thing I can think now is that, here's the thing, like I said, the only reason I'm saying this is because I always try and come from the devil's advocate yeah, of course. I always try and right. come up with some sure. explanation. Because I always try and come up with an yes, answer. I no. I, um, I find uh, lack of logic, the apparent lack of logic, an affront.
0: <laughs> Honestly.
1: Whereas I saw the third Transformers movie in theaters and didn't care. Like, I can consume, like, mindless garbage and be fine with it. <laughs> But yeah, so Teal'c says the knowledge she contains could one day save your world. And I love Daniel's response here because there's no pause. There's no hesitation. The second Teal'c stops talking, Daniel immediately comes back with very firmly, I don't care. Mm -hmm. Because as we said before, Daniel has specific people he cares about in the world and everyone else can go to hell. And Sade is one of the most important people to him. So if it's between the whole world and Sade, he will pick Sade. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> and I approve. Mm-hmm. I approve of his yeah. stance here. Yes, because it is my person. I approve of his actions yes. this entire episode. Yes. Fuck yeah.
0: No, because I'm I'm just so mad at Killcare because like literally he immediately jumps onto the let's use her train mm-hmm. yeah. and it's like I know you're fucking right. I don't care. Yeah, absolutely. I don't care who it benefits. Fuck you! You're not just gonna casually sacrifice somebody that I love. I'm not the DOD, I don't need to gamble
1: with billions of no. dollars, I'm not playing a fucking long game, I want my wife back. No, I don't approve of Tuke's uh, choices at all in this episode, the only thing I can think is that he's looking at, like, first prime tactical nonsense, it's still garbage, I still hate it. And you know what kills me is this folly part where he's, Teal goes on
0: about how, like, she you know, she's gonna, they could use this information to help his world, right? mm mm-hmm. Fuck you, and you're equivocating compassion with weakness. Mm-hmm. Where he, Teal literally insinuates, doesn't even insinuate, just says that he's letting his personal feelings in the matter stand in the way of helping mm-hmm. others. To which I say to you and real life, and anybody who actually says this shit, I get your bigger picture, and I counter with. A big ol' fuck you. Yeah, absolutely, no. Because it's not this about This is not something that. you and I
1: are disagreeing
0: on. <laughs> because right now, in this point in time, you are refusing to acknowledge the simple fact that she is a fucking person who does not deserve mm-hmm. to be put through this. So you don't just get to decide for her mm-hmm. what is going to happen. He doesn't even say it's not even a, bad, a good idea. No. As in, like, using the knowledge or whatever. He just... First fucking concept that everyone always escapes, everyone here is... Why don't you talk to
1: her about well, it? Well, what I like here is that that's exactly what Daniel does. Exactly, And he lays out it. her options. But so basically, yeah, Teal well, so. says, before we get there. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, that's one thing I did. This is part of why way early on in our recording, I made the point about how characters will make, say terrible things or make bad judgments mm-hmm. that aren't a judgment on the Show or uh, the episode no, 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 itself. No, none. So, like, Teal has yes. this terrible stance, no. but the narrative yes. is going along with Daniel, mm-hmm. who has the right yes, response exactly. to it. And Teal- so, like, well, we're mad at Teal. Yeah. We're not mad at the episode no. for Teal's actions. No. No. Teal is being Teal in this episode, yeah. and it which is unfortunate. It's especially unfortunate. Especially so soon after family. Right. But
0: it's <laughs> part of, like, this is part of suspension of disbelief, though, is because I'm
1: just mad at Teal yes, here. exactly. I'm mad in the episode. Mm-hmm. I'm in the camp yelling at him. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, Teal points out uh, that if they don't take Sade through the gate with them, she'll give birth and disappear with Apophis forever, and he'll never see her again. Yep. And then Daniel says he wants a alone- moment alone with his wife, which I do like that he specifically says with my wife, Because of earlier on in this, when he first saw her and she called him, you know, my husband. And he's like, Shade is my wife. You are not my wife. So I love that they specifically have him saying, I want a moment alone with my wife. Because he has accepted, yes, this is Shade, She is here with me right now. This is not the gold. I want a moment alone with my wife. Mm -hmm. And Daniel is basically like, oh wait, no, sorry. Uh, Then we cut back to Earth. After he says, I need a moment alone with my wife. We cut back to Earth. Uh, Sam's dad and Hammond once served together, quote, back when the Air Force really was this country's first line of defense. Mm. This is where I started going, oh shit, my dad. <laughs> because
0: it's not that my dad, it's not that Jacob, <laughs> oh, a Freudian slip. it's not that Jacob isn't supportive. Yeah. To be fair, it's, this sentence isn't about this. He's it's,
1: got some casual dismissiveness. He has,
0: exactly. So it's like right here, Jesus... Christ, her dad is so good
1: at undermining her. Oh no, so before, so the real love, because that's already kind of an undermining thing. That's sentence. what I'm saying, that's right there. But he's no, undermining her, he from the doubles get-go. down on it. Yeah. When she says it still it is. is, yeah. And then he's like, oh, well, you know, I'm talking about back during the Cold War and that kind of thing. You know, back like, when we actually really had to fight. Yeah. You know, back when that exactly. meant something. So, like, he. <laughs> was casually was dismissive yeah. and when she tries to point that out with her it still is <laughs> and i like how he says it to his kid who by the way flew in like, the gulf war mm-hmm. as if she wasn't a pilot in the air force fighting in the gulf war but yeah but then he tries to wave it off like oh you know i'm talking about the, the cold war which is always a reference that like older people try to use to be like no i really saw shit <laughs> you know on the show, before I mentioned how my mom used to tell me stories, Listen, these are fond
0: memories for uh-huh. her about how they used to show these little PSAs in her school. Mm-hmm. Like we used to watch Bill and I. they used to watch Duck and Cover. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you do when the bomb drops? <laughs> and it was like throw the picket blanket over your face, I throw know. yourself over your coworker, or your um, under your cabinet with your classmate. My mom's going, and we all knew it was bullshit, and she's <laughs> laughing. It's like, or like the tape on the windows what the actual fuck, woman? You're talking about a casual disregard for your life as if this... She goes, well, yeah, that's what it was. Every day, you didn't know if you were going to die. But it's like that kind of shit where it's like, I get that that's a scary time. I get the term cold warrior is a term of respect, Mm -hmm. and I get that he's supposedly a a cold warrior. But you'd think the child of a cold warrior would be given a little more respect. Yeah. Because he raised her, Mm -hmm. therefore she should... You would just see her as a continuation in any way here. She's continuing your legacy. You should be seeing... I hate undermining parents. I guess it's just a long-winded way of going, bad parenting, fuck you. I have such an issue deep in my core with casual undermining in that way because it's always paired with, and I know I'm getting ahead of myself here with some dialogue that's going to come up later in the conversations, but fuck it. (laughs) I just, I have issues with when it's paired with, it's like that thing we all do where we realize we're accidentally being a little too harsh. Yeah. And so depending on how genuine the person's being, what they're saying is either just bullshit or them actually backtracking to go. Not that I'm saying this is a problem, or like you know when somebody like points out a flaw on somebody's face, they'll be like, "Not that I think she's ugly," <laughs> you know, like that kind of thing, right? So like it's kind of like that where they'll be like, he pairs this casual undermining with saying with with compliments, mm-hmm. like you're you have these dreams and you are so capable of them, but you know you're not that good, strong or anything, you know, like you don't have to actually face any real challenges. <laughs> And he talks about all these things that, as if she's amazing, while always working against her. Hell, he manipulates like her career she get there yes. on her own. He manipulates her career without her knowledge mm-hmm. or consent, all in the name of doing it for her. Which often when times is a guy doing, it, doing really it for a himself. himself, right? Which is shitty when's anybody doing that? Mm-hmm. My dad. Huh, huh. My common thread I say with him is that he has a narrative in his head mm-hmm. of what's happening. And he does not perceive, even when you are literally shoving it in his face, he does not perceive any contradictory evidence to that narrative. If he gets violently snapped out of it by physical means, as in one time when he wanted to spontaneously hike on a volcano, we were in shorts and sandals and had no hiking equipment, and we said no— Let's just put it this way. It was a fun car ride home <laughs> to the hotel that day. Jacob really seriously is like that because mm-hmm. there's a later scene where, as soon as he's forcefully shoved out of his narrative, he, he leaves. leaves. <laughs> yes. He leaves while his daughter is visibly crying. Yes, that's that same thing where he I just I resent that mm-hmm. so fucking much. But I understand that he's a dad in that perspective mm-hmm. instance. I get we've definitely talked on the protective impulses of parents. Absolutely. That's not actually protective. That's no. manipulative. That and stifling. is stifling. Controlling, stifling. It is not healthy
1: behavior because healthy behavior would be listening, shutting up and listening. And it isn't born of the fact that you will see parents do that more with the girls. Oh, with of the boys. course. Because literally girls are taught to you
0: I mean for the longest I mean literally until like our generation, it was Up until the previous one, still in regular practice for... What was that? The line from Friends was perfect. Rachel's mom said it perfectly. I moved straight from my father's house to my sorority house to to my my husband's husband's house. house. It was a life of dependency where you were living your life, but within the constraints of someone else's Autonomy mm-hmm. and what they were allowing you to do, because you didn't actually have full freedom. Yeah, granted, some people are comfortable in that, but that doesn't—that's not the point. That's a very familiar theme in many societies oh, yeah. throughout human history, where people have constantly come to this incredible decision conclusion that just because they're smaller in stature and easier to knock out, that means we're better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. I'm sorry, I just didn't didn't realize we were still cave people. Okay, cool. My bad. I'll check back in after another couple millennia of evolution. Yep. So yeah, Sam's dad is indicative of a really a really quiet level of toxicity oh, yeah. in life that is just unwelcome in my presence. Absolutely. So Jacob can go fuck himself. Just need to count our days till Selmac. Yes, Selma. I love Selma. Selma chills out. Jacob so oh, much. Oh,
1: so much. I love Selma. So we find out in this scene that the cover for us She sees Deep space telemetry. Yes. Which I, I always... Earlier, yeah. Which makes sense fine for someone like Sam, and even Jack, really, because he does have the bachelors in astronomy. Yeah, and its location like, kind of works yeah, for, you know, but less like, pollution. What
0: is Light pollution Daniel's you're working
1: for deep space telemetry? I don't think they that he even, cared about the civilian
0: adjunct, honestly. That's the
1: thing, because... I, I'm pretty sure later on in the in the one where he goes back to his college at Chicago, they even call out that it's like, why is an archaeologist working with deep space telemetry? Like, they call out, like, it's a terrible cover for him. It's to see if I can identify ruins from, <laughs> no. from space. Only <laughs> excuse is that he's being used for languages. It's really his only excuse. But, like, it doesn't yeah. matter because it doesn't come he's up in a this linguist too, So I guess yeah. it could have... But why would they have one just on hand at all times on the off chance they receive some sort of alien communication? But yeah, no, but I do love that even if it's a decent cover for Sam and Jack,
0: shit's all for Teal Daniel. Well,
1: even with that, Uh, when Sam mentions what it is, Jacob is immediately dismissive of oh, yeah. it in a in a deeply skeptical way. Like he knows it's bullshit.
0: Literally my note is literally here. I know it's cause he knows it's bullshit, but still. No, like, actually the way he says yeah. it is so like Jeez, no, the thing is my note tell us how you scene, really feel. My
1: note in that scene is because I didn't realize quite at that moment whether he actually already knew it was fake or not. Or just being so disrespectful. So my note here says is just being Sam's dad is dismissive slash skeptical. Because I wasn't sure which it was. I was like, he either thinks it's a stupid job or he knows it's fake. Either way, he's being a dick. Either. Yeah, he's being a dick either way. you know what he could just do? Talk to her,
0: but, I but she does think, later. But still, yeah. it's only I honestly
1: think that says something to the strength of the actor in that scene yeah. because of the fact that this stone face man, he's good. We don't know yet that he knows it's fake. Mm-hmm. So the face he makes there, the fact that it can be read either as completely dismissive of it as a job or skeptical later on, is very good. Mm-hmm. Anytime an actor can take a moment and manage to portray more than one uh point of view mm-hmm. depending on where you're coming at it from always good yeah, my presentation book. is everything
0: and bad acting obviously would have bad presentation yeah, we, so we hate
1: free Selmac
0: jacob but the actor yeah I'm mad at myself not being able to remember it right now he did he died last year it was yeah. very sad i was i
1: was like oh no jacob yeah uh, it still sucks man yeah uh so jack walks up after getting punched uh, and introduces himself, and then I made a note here where I said, "Proceeds to call her Sam," because he says, "Oh, Sam's dad." I was like, "You never call her Sam." Right. What do you what doing? Why do you think I was
0: cooing so much? <laughs> <laughs> no, man, he slipped up. They he were dead. in a casual setting, and he
1: didn't. He he forgot. Well, that was right after calling her Carter too. I'm like, Jack, I, Jack, I, come I'm on, Jack. Can't. So <laughs> this, do you think someone spiked the punch? So more
0: than ever, I cannot specify. I cannot emphasize. Enough. How much of a grain of salt? I uh, not a grain. I have a mountain of salt mm-hmm. on what I'm about to say. Here. Yeah. However, because I ship him yeah. it's so hard, I can't help but see it as that thing that guys do sometimes. Oh, he was trying to impress him. Kind of. I thought it was more of he honestly, Jacob ex- to like him. I thought it was yeah more like expressing that subtle little I have a connection to her influence in her life to him. And honestly, it, for me, I perceive it almost, honestly as a preemptive romantic kind of thing not like he was expressing i have romantic interest in your daughter to him but more like we're more sam's than death. just yes yeah, see um, that she's more than just my CO, subordinate yeah. she's somebody i can call sam and it's
1: like never so she tells you me never things. have before yeah, she trusts me i don't know you well no i, I definitely know. well i can i can absolutely agree with you that there was probably an element of him that's going like because oh this is sam's dad i want him to know that i i do know his daughter more than just as a, mm-hmm. a CEO and everything, but there's also definitely a part where he wants to like at least at least subconsciously impress Jacob because he even makes a point of I know I've heard nothing about you. <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't want why I say he slipped
0: up. I think I I I'm, I think he did it on purpose. I think he did it on purpose. Yeah,
1: yeah. Jack says almost everything on purpose. Right. He even his jokes. He's doing all like later, later on, thoughtful to be so, as as stupid as quick. And slightly sloppy as the uh, journalist scenes are in this. His this, handling of them. His is handling awesome. is remarkable. He thinks on never, his feet. Man. Yes, he's so good. Oh, like no. we've we've been complimenting Amanda Tapping and, and Christopher Judge and Michael Shanks's face acting. He does so much with like not reacting in in a coming scene that I was just like, shit, Jack, shit. You're showing your your experience. Right. Like, this is why you're the second right. at SGC, because you know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I just, I loved him calling her Sam, because that just, I full-on coup. So Jacob brings up, again, the deep space uh, radar telemetry, and Jack doesn't even try and uh, confirm the, the cover story. Just does that little smile where he's like, I'm not playing
0: this yeah. game, Dude.
1: Because I, I think he that can also. I, out, I think he can also tell that Jacob doesn't fucking buy it at all. So he's like, "Well, if you don't buy it, I'm not gonna try hard." Oh yeah, no, I love, I love this, this, this massive amount of amount communication of <laughs>
0: where everything, in just a couple of lines, two people just completely puncture that balloon and just full yes. on go, "All right, fuck this." So okay. you're lying to me. Cool. Bye. Hi. Shy. five, five. That. Hi.
1: Shy. Bye. Yeah, so he dips. He's yeah. like, "I'm, I'm going. Fuck this noise! I do love his exit. It's basically like uh, Carter uh, Hammond,
0: Waiter, and then he leaves. So, because on that note, um, one of the other things about it is it's not just. Because he, there's no point in this continued mm-hmm. bullshit. He's, I think, another thing I really like about the scene is, real quick, we didn't even slightly touch on this. Hammond only meant good things here by by bringing her dad. He yeah. doesn't know of their contentious yeah, relationship yet. We, the audience, aren't attitude. supposed to know of this yeah. contentious relationship yet. Hammond slowly, I have a note raised. I really he's, <laughs> like, he's like he's so sweet. I said Hammond is as sweet as he is oblivious because yes. he full on doesn't see what's happening for a good chunk of that conversation where Sam is back and forthing with her dad. Tight smile, you know. That's because
1: Hammond has such a good relationship with his family. Right?
0: And she's just clearly not that happy in this moment. And Jack. Though is picking up oh, on it immediately, yeah. and so half of why he's gracefully exiting, it's it's obvious he's only going to hamper the yeah, situation absolutely. more for her, and he doesn't want to do that to her. So he's not just uncomfortable mm-hmm. himself and like and wanting out. He's not just noping. He's also going. Oh shit, she has this kind of relationship Honestly, with her dad. Fuck. All right, I'm, I'm, my presence here is not helping.
1: I'm just going to waiter. It's <laughs> <laughs> also probably another reason why he said that I've heard nothing about you because he's realizing. In that she's never said anything about her dad, that they're not close and they don't have a good relationship.
0: You have two kinds of difficult relationships with your parents, hers or mine, (laughs) where you very delicately touch on the things that definitely piss you off. Mm -hmm. Or I guess maybe there's a third type or are just affected by it, period, and there's just in a bad way, Mm -hmm. however that takes form. Or you have it with her, where she has a very healthy outlook on life. She has also achieved this through whatever means. I'm guessing maybe therapy like me. Yeah. (laughs) But that's why I mean you had two different types. Her way of dealing with it, using it, is silently. Yeah. She is so much the astrophysicist. Uh She's a textbook. Yeah. She speaks as a textbook. She operates as a textbook. Textbooks sometimes use anecdotal, but Mm -hmm. for the most part, a textbook is about giving you information and information shouldn't be given as hyperbole it should be given as fact yeah so she will, doesn't use hyperbole we
1: will actually get a much later example of how she is a textbook yeah in a uh, less fraught yeah exactly. uh, kind of so example
0: so yeah i i like this i like this kind of person who has i like this other kind of person yeah. because this was a good, for, honestly, it's probably just because this was a version of it that I saw as a young child. Mm-hmm. And I, I really liked seeing her version, no. her side. Which was, she was so composed about yes, it. That's absolutely. what the silence is. That's, okay, I just came to a conclusion, a realization. So that's what it is. You have two ways of dealing with it. With composure or with a different kind of composure. Yes. Because she is the calm, quiet composure. Those are three things I probably wouldn't have ever used to describe myself. <laughs> I will admit that. Yeah. <laughs> so I like seeing this other side of it, and she plays it so well. And I mean, I'm, it's not that I haven't talked before about how elegant Amanda Tapping is. Oh, so yeah, it, it really does show here because I wouldn't call Carter elegant in no. this scene. Not that she can't be. It's, it's that she's not. It's not an elegance thing. But I definitely think it's um, a result of her elegance in acting. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So,
1: no, yeah. I agree with you on that.
0: I like her silent use of her tools and. Sam and um, Jack's realization in this moment of that
1: yeah so he dips um and then Sam's dad uh with Sam alone because Hammond also finds a reason yeah he he
0: finally catches up to what's happening and goes oh yeah sure bye uh uh,
1: Sam's dad points out hey the cover story is garbage
0: yeah I like he does at least say it
1: but I can still get you into NASA
0: I like how for like a second I was like, okay, cool, okay, cool. He has to play a shitty little game. Fine, whatever. You know what? You like to live your way. I like to live mine. At least we're coming to a conclusion here. You're gonna t- talk to me straight on. Straight. Oh, cool. You've been manipulating me behind mm-hmm. the scenes. Like, he just—he's a roller coaster. Yeah. I I love it. I want to like him, but every time he gives me an opportunity to, he literally follows it up with a moment of just. But
1: then, fuck oh, you. Yeah, absolutely. Just, mm. Um. So outside, Jack walks past. On his way to a bar, we'll find out in a little bit. Uh, not yet. just going to do some casual day drinking. Yes, in full dress uniform. Yes, I love it. <sighs> so he walks past where we find out later on he will be going to a bar. Uh, but in the forefront, we see a man stare meaningfully after him. And that's it. That's our our uh, prelude to. The the rushed. This should have Slot been an indicator see, yeah. to me
0: about how little effort was honestly put into this was ultimately given uh, so to this plot. plot. Yeah, it's just it's as it is as haphazard as that menacing yeah, impact no, impactful glare. Because
1: like we said, Jack I'm does some remarkable right. acting in uh, the scenes that are in this plot. And Hammond has some great little moments in regards to it as well. It just needed to be the B line instead of the C line of a story. It needed to not be in a story that already had Sam's story and Shade's story. Yeah, there were enough secrets in this episode. It didn't need a third secret. That's the one unfortunate thing. You gotta about explore it. the secret that is the Stargate. Lot...
0: Make that a better storyline mm-hmm. in a better ep- yeah. in a different episode. It's just
1: there were a lot of good things there, and they just. Yeah. Wasted them on speed. Yep. Uh, But meanwhile, we're going back to Abydos. Meanwhile, on the A (laughs) storyline. Yeah. And um, Shale once again says, you hate me. And Daniel's like, no, no, I love you. Um, And I love his saying,
0: I hate what was done to you. Yes,
1: exactly. Especially, it's not just her having, becoming a gold host. It's her Having Apophis' child. I mean, there are a
0: lot of fucking horrible implications. There are a lot
1: of things to be
0: said about the psychological repercussions involved with this, with rape in general, Mm -hmm. with this Mm -hmm. particular form of rape, with pregnancy as a result of rape. It being used as a tool and all that kind Especially of stuff. Especially yeah. when then it's not just an outcome as like an out, just just it like a byproduct, but it was literally, this was not just a rape, this was a strategic, this oh, is yeah. a terrifying strategic uh-huh. kind of rape, which is broodmare type shit is always gross and terrifying. Yeah. It, there is literally, I, ugh, this particular method of diabolical use, it's mm-hmm. just yuck. Obviously back to that, the, the strategic nature mm-hmm. of it is,
1: it's just so barbaric. It's frightening. I do appreciate <laughs> that this episode doesn't try to paint it as anything other than terrible. Right. What happened to her. Yes, thank you. Finally, a somewhat real-ish because representation of, that, of like, it. The next exchange is her saying, do you forgive me? And I'm saying, there's nothing to forgive because you. you did nothing. Something was done to you. And I just love that he made sure to have those moments of dialogue where it's enforced that no, this was a terrible thing. It was done to her. She is a victim in this, but that does not make her lesser or anything. Yeah. Uh, so Daniel says he wants Shade, Shade to come home with him. Yeah, I like how he says it that
0: way. You know, and again, I at first I was like, oh wow, that's a flowery way of putting it. Then, but I to and he immediately gives her all of the information he doesn't just say come home with me and leaves it at that and leaves out conveniently the part where she'll be you know mm-hmm. put in a room and you know so now on and he do, tells her everything we don't
1: get that yet
0: right but we i'm just go back happy to that they sam and her dad where <laughs> my next note fucking hell jacob stop yeah
1: <laughs> Where Jacob's explaining about how he made some calls and pulled some strings and she's like next on the list for NASA coming back online and having another crew and all that kind of stuff. And Sam says the work I'm doing is very important. And Jacob says the worst thing he could possibly say in this situation. Which is why
0: I'm screaming inside right now. (laughs)
1: Do this for me. You can't start off by saying, This was always your dream. Then and do then it. in the it. Do this for me.
0: She's allowed to change her mind about something without that being a negative thing. Absolutely. Why is it a negative thing? Why isn't it a positive thing? Like when a kid changes what they want to be every week, sorry, when they grow up, as an adult, when they're even more educated and more in control of themselves and even more capable. And are making even better decisions regarding their future. Your judgment of them increases? Yeah. That makes no proportional sense. That should be the exact opposite. You should be having beyond indifference. Whatever that is. I guess that would be encouraging. Maybe that would sure. be it. You know? So I just, it doesn't. I, I guess I'm mad because it just doesn't track to me as a concept. Why can't you just let her do things for herself? Why can't anyone just let somebody be happy doing what they want to do regardless of your
1: opinion of it? Kudos to Sam, though. She immediately calls him out and says, I knew you would make this about you. I love that he gets all shitty and just walks away because he got called out. That's what I'm saying really. He got yeah. called out, so he walks he's away. He's so petty. Because he, he was trying
0: that entire conversation. We summed it up pretty quick. It's a bit drawn out in how heavy the guilt he's throwing mm-hmm. in there is. You know, he's, just, he's good. Let me put it to you that way. He's also oh, a type yeah. of player. There are two players mm-hmm. in this. There's a reason he and Hammond know each other. Yep. <laughs> He is good, and she is also good. She quietly and efficiently snaps him out of that narrative, and Mm -hmm. he just fucks off.
1: Hell yeah. After dropping
0: a fucking bomb on her, of all things, too.
1: Which, have we specified yet what it was? No, no, that's later. No, he storms off twice. Oh, that's... Oh, I forgot. He just leaves... He just walks away because she called him out on I knew you would make this about you. So he just, like, walks away. That's in the middle of the cocktail party.
0: I guess I was too busy writing a furious note to notice how that ended. My bad. Yeah, he just leaves. <laughs> she no. called him out. Um, okay, I guess I did notice things. I wrote down. Of course, it's about him, but of course now he's giving her the silent
1: treatment. Yeah, exactly. He <laughs> leaves. Um, so then we go to Jack, who is at a bar. Is at a bar. Um, the man that was staring at him dramatically earlier uh, walks up to him, identifies him as, himself as a journalist. And Jack is like, "All right, I'm out. Bye." <laughs> like <Yeah. he> immediately. <laughs> so I feel like I missed something as yeah. like an adult here.
0: Uh, he, because the guy sits down. I'm guessing like you know, orders a beer, right? Like mm-hmm. yeah, you know, I want to talk to you. Says this thing, and then Jack says, as he's finishing his beer, "Here, have my. I haven't touched it
1: yet." I feel like this okay, this what? might be me I, obviously it's a jerk line, but I'm, I'm this, this might, might be I'm entirely this something, here. But my interpretation of that is I'm giving you nothing. Thank you. <laughs> that's anything
0: more than what I had, which was literally nothing. I I should you know I literally re- rewatched rewashed that tiny snippet like six, seven times going what does that even mean? I literally wrote down, what is the beer line? What is the beer line? I think it's a I, fuck
1: you. It's an I'm giving you no, I get that, that as a fuck you. Yeah. I, just didn't,
0: I didn't get the how. Yeah, it was mostly like like just
1: I'm giving you yeah, thing.
0: I, the result was still clear to me. I just was confused as to the how. It's kind of like watching someone get hit in the head, but you didn't see if it was mm-hmm. a crowbar or a, a nerf ba- a bat. One yeah. of those things is going to really hurt. <laughs> Well, you of those don't know things, what it is. It might just be a silly bonk. Yeah. So until I know, my complete assessment of the situation is at best, uh, are you okay? But yeah, this occupied a good amount of my focus. Because that <laughs> I thought It was a weird rise. line. It was a weird line. I was begging my brain for a, for a, for I a reason. Know. I went to your thing. Uh-huh. I did. But the thing is, my brain's yeah. not familiar with your tactic. So I went straight to why and I
1: couldn't find it. <laughs> I'm really experienced at creating bullshit for shows I watch. Okay! (laughs) I always use an example of, um... I guess don't need to
0: make a bullshit, I just just go directly to the conclusion of, oh, it's because they suck. The psych pilot. Oh god, you would- that's the
1: one that you do ding, ding, ding on. When he- when he goes to- and, like, in one hand, there's a thing, it's a pilot. I should dismiss any timelines. Any inconsistencies are, because it's are a bad. Pilot. Yeah, right. Exactly. But I still there's a line he gives to um, to Henry. He basically insinuates that Henry only had to deal with him for seventeen years. I don't remember the exact line, but he basically says Henry only had to deal with him for seventeen years. And yet, a couple seasons later, we know Sean was around when he was eighteen because Henry arrested him. So. My wild interpretation of that to make that work is that when he was 17, he went to live with his mom for a year there go. and then came back. This is Catherine Langford with the picture
0: all over it. Yes, exactly,
1: 100%. I do that. It's like, okay, it's from the movie. You just have to you, you a- acknowledge that there's going to be inconsistencies. It's why you're not like, angry. No. It's why you're not angry because you understand exactly. exactly
0: what happened. You don't need to worry about the in-game continuity because you understand it forces way beyond yeah. outside control. And yet, despite like, the fact that I'm aware of this, I still create right, exactly. something to yeah. make it work. You go to the in-game part. Like I said, I come to the conclusion that they suck. <laughs> End
1: story. Somebody fucked up. You actually <laughs> go find a reason. Yeah, and it usually means that I've like created this whole other canon that like needs to be talked about, like, what happened the year he was right, hanging right. out with his mom, you know, that kind of stuff. But it's like, you you invent years of backstory to, to fit it. And it's like, <laughs> listen, no one can contradict me
0: on it. Yeah, that's where you start working out your proven a negative bullshit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh,
1: okay, so let's get back to the actual show. So, the journalist asks if he's heading back to the Stargate, and Jack doesn't react at all he goes because what? he's a pro. Because he, so he was, like, much. looking down to, like, pay or whatever, right. and he's like, oh, are you heading back to the Stargate? And Jack doesn't stop in nope. his motion at all. He doesn't look up. Mm-hmm. There's no reaction at all. It's so good. Because he's a professional. He's a motherfucking professional. Love it. And then he just looks up and goes, sorry, what? Oh, yeah, he's like, I'm sorry, what? I don't know what you mean. I don't It's so good. It's so good. Um, And the journalist reveals that he recorded Sam and Jack's previous conversation, where Jack made the comment about, I know how to navigate the galaxy, but not Washington, and Sam mentioning the Stargate band name. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jack still doesn't react to the recording at all. Oh, and he also claims that he has a source that told him what the Stargate does. Yes. So it's not just this one conversation, which means nothing. Mm-hmm. He claims he has a source that told him exactly what the Stargate does. And Jack still and no And no reaction. detail about what it is to actually... Oh, no, that's later. No, that's later. Concerned. Moving on, yeah. moving on. Uh, and Jack still no reaction, and he parts by saying, a C-5 Galaxy is a transport aircraft, and claims he doesn't know what a Stargate is. And, and then it, he leaves. And that's it. It's so expert control over that moment. Shaq's just yeah. like not giving him anything. I do love that he goes, that's the Stargate. You got me there. Yeah, exactly. It's real good. Um, and then we go back to Daniel and Shade. Uh, where Shade says if she goes with Daniel, the gold in her will punish the child after it's born. And Daniel's like, We will not allow that to happen. <laughs> yeah, no, that no, not dog. I, basically telling her without
0: being uh, it's, it's an unusually not terrible way, I guess, of saying to her, oh, no worries, we won't let you have the child. Yeah, <laughs> don't <laughs> yeah, worry, the child won't be in your custody.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but then he mentions that if she comes with, she will be questioned about her memories, but he won't let anything bad happen yeah. he to her. He doesn't
0: sugarcoat it, but he doesn't throw her to the wolves verbally here. He doesn't, yeah. He doesn't say, yeah,
1: shit's gonna happen. Yeah, he, he even says. some detail, but
0: with reassurance.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then um, Kasu says if Apoph- that Apophis will destroy Abydos if she leaves. Which is fair, he has to think about everyone else here. But Teal'c says, just say an enemy of Apophis took the child. Inadvertently giving Aminette an idea. Yeah, I love it.
0: Well, actually, nearby, he does say it again later. Yeah, he's literally, no he way to, he he no, there's literally no inadvertent there at all. It's no. just advertent. Well, it's good foreshadowing. Him saying, give this example. That's what it is. Yeah. It's, a, it's a garden path that's actually just a path. Yeah. It's not actually fake. It's just literally mm-hmm. what ends up happening. <laughs>
1: uh, and then Kasuf orders Shaode to go with them. What's my note here? Daniel says, you can't just order her like that. And Kasuf's answer is, I am her father. Even though that mentality is bad in the first place, it still doesn't make any sense for him to be fall- falling on that as an excuse, because if he's going with that mentality of ownership, she's married to Daniel, she belongs to Daniel yeah, now. Yeah. Not, he can't tell her what to do. Not that you're subscribing
0: to the no, idea I'm of not. ownership through I'm saying marriage.
1: If, if, you were, if you were to, him, yeah.
0: this doesn't even logically exactly. make sense within that confine. No, I. you're right. I love how as soon as Tealuk offers a good plan, because soup is blatantly, uh, go, go with them. Yeah. It's almost, yeah, I this feel like it's always meant us. to be... I almost feel like it was all, all kind of meant in a very, 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 very short-sighted, ill-advised way. An attempt at comedy And See Me see me Out Here is, hear me out here, not see me out, hear me out here. It's almost funny. Kind of like when uh, Thor in the Marvel movies is like, they're talking about, you know, dissing Loki. And he goes, you know, take care. That is, you know, a brother oh and a prince of God. Asgard. <laughs> and she goes, he's killed how many people in three days. He's He's (laughs) adopted. It's that, you know, sharp turn thing where it's almost comedic, where he's just like, she can't leave, she can't leave. We'll say this. Oh, go, 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 go. (laughs) It's almost, I
1: mean, I almost wanted to laugh. To be fair, they have had. Except that he was talking about a human, and it didn't make any sense. I will say that. Okay, yeah, I don't think we can ever think that feel, interpret that as a comedy. I no, think no, it's no. supposed to be bad, especially because of the fact that Daniel immediately like right. it's her choice. Right, I'm just, like, desperately trying to see but I as, like, what say prompted this. But I will say that we, in the movie, Kasuf had a very, like, go go kind of um, briskness to yeah, him. He's the, yeah, he's a brisk guy. He makes
0: decisions quickly, yeah. so once he's made it, it's decision over. Yeah. Go-go-go. <laughs> so
1: I, I buy that. It's still bad that he said that, which... The narrative points out, because Daniel's like, that's her choice. And Daniel insists that it's her choice whether she comes. And he tells her honestly that until they can remove the gold from her, she would be locked up. Mm -hmm. He even tells her, like, until we know we can safely remove it from you, you will be... Basically a prisoner. Like, he doesn't hide any of that from her. I hate myself sometimes.
0: I'm just really mad because I wrote a note that yeah. I, I can't remember why I wrote it. See my last episode about Miss terror opportunity for continuity. Something in the scene, remember, something in the scene prompted me to write this.
1: I think... I remember
0: now. Okay, it's when Kasu says I'm her father. Okay. I wrote frowny yeah, face. Yeah. And then after that, see my last episode okay. about it It's I, weird
1: that you immediately went to Haruer because we go back to Hammond. Yeah. For so I a think a I, I think it was in the scene where Maybe I think, you just didn't write this scene. Can I pause for a second yeah. and ask you? So it is a brisk return to Earth for a second. Literally, Hammond is talking to someone, I think about boxing, <laughs> right? And Jack comes up so and says problem. we have a leak. Right. And that's it. That's okay. the scene. And okay. then we go back, then Haruer comes up. That's the end, that's the end of that scene. Is him just showing up because they thought it was Apophis coming through, but it was Harrower. All I can think is they're so focused on what this opportunity is for them, mm-hmm.
2: right?
0: That there's a threat of not just impending Apophis return, but yeah. there's a reason why she's being hidden. Yeah. she's being hidden from all of the goals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They could really use her as well. Yeah, I did mention in uh, last episode that we ha- they, the episode makers, had missed. It would have made more sense for them to uh, use Thor's chariot for like anything other than just they show Herwor. He's kind of established as an, uh, as an element, so that when he shows up here, it's yeah. not as as surprising. Mm-hmm. But absolutely, they didn't use the episode really at all because they show him building ships, but they don't mention why. Yeah, they don't. They don't we, say what his goal exactly. are. Exactly, we specified last episode. Maybe that's why he was building ships was to go uh, make mount an attack against Apophis. Mm-hmm. But I was mentioning last episode that it was you know. A missed opportunity on their part, the, you know. In the episode, mm-hmm. the writers they could have literally mentioned anything in that episode to establish an earlier continuity for Apophis's weakness. Because we were complaining in family about how it's kind of out of nowhere that Apophis is apparently weakened to the point where he's having to kidnap Teal'c's son.
1: Yeah, no, they absolutely and should they could have, have used Herower's, Say something
0: about yeah, Apophis. they could have used that establishment of hero as an additional moment yeah. of continuity okay, you know established what? for Apophis, knowing. So here That's is wild. an additional moment of that, where like if they had done any of that ad- establishment It would have been, been a little bit more. This also would have meant more. Mm-hmm. This episode could have you know been better wild.
1: foreshadowed. This would have been better. All on Catherine Powers because she wrote Thor's Chariot and she also wrote
0: Family. It may not be on her because of, actually, we, we have already specified this. We, they, we know that the writers can only work with what they're given. Yeah, I know. What if she was not given sensitive story material as they didn't tell her
1: about ongoing stuff? No, I'm saying that she had the information in those two episodes to make him suddenly being a weak and a peer yeah. in family make more yeah. sense. Yeah, I said, that, I said that last worry. week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, I'm literally only thinking about it now <sighs> because it's like, yeah, she had control of both of those episodes. Yeah. What yeah. are you doing? Yeah, she missed a
0: huge continuity moment there where she could have said anything in that you Thor-sharing episode. You introduced a
1: new system lord, <laughs> yeah. and then two episodes later, you talk about Apophis being worried and about even system lords finding out he's weak. And you showed a new guy building ships for
0: some reason. What would be a good thing to do in that episode? Show what sloppy. that reason, sloppy. like what because they like ships. I, I guess we were just supposed to go with the assumption it's because they like ships. Yeah, really? I said that all last sloppy. One. No, yeah. that's yeah. all. No, I agree. Last but one. yeah, so uh, so I'm just saying that it would have been, nice been nice if, if we the already had head, head that, yeah. writers had if if it's because of them not giving her that detail because I could see that as being more of a spoiler element that they didn't want to foreshadow. Let's say it was that, so it could not you know, potentially be not her fault. But if she did have access to that information, it, or if they had more control and had exerted that control mm-hmm. better, they could have implanted a better seed of continuity as well, along with that hero. especially since that is clearly meant to... He was introduced in Thor's Chariot. Yeah. So that when he shows up later, it's not such a, such a jarring mm-hmm. thing. So if you're going to introduce him, maybe
1: introduce an element as to fucking why. Yeah, because he comes out of nowhere in Thor's Chariot. Maybe if you'd introduced him as being He's amassing his resources in to Apophis or yeah. something Maybe he, found, he found out home. a secret Maybe it could be You could have a line where he's like I heard a rumor
0: Of Apophis' secret You don't have to allude to what it is You don't have to say anything more than or that Or you could even just say Of oh,
1: his downfall or his right. fall or something. anything something, that could indicate a weakness. He's either dead or weak Exactly, a weakness yeah. That doesn't mean you like a physical Like you know a I mean? he has is? a weakness
0: Which could be i pregnant somewhere he You know what I think it is? And then all of a sudden you know Oh shit, and that's why he's building ships He's gonna mount
1: attack he's gonna do something but no he's just some random yeah. dude taking over a planet to build some fucking ships for some reason i think she didn't have him mention apophis in thor's chariot because she didn't want to spoil the surprise right. that he was alive in family you could say one but- of my enemies then you could say anything You could do allusion, but we just pointed out that you could say apophis's fall and it could sound like his death the opportunity was there. They even crafted
0: something around it, and then just didn't utilize it. Yeah, so it's a shame that it couldn't mean
1: more in this episode. Yeah,
0: but that's, huh, what that's not
1: Curtis's fault. No, no, but it's just like I'm just
0: like yeah. But it's unfortunate that the outcome of that is yet another outcome of that lack of opportunity taking. Which in Thor's seems to come out of nowhere. Where it's just. Not just that, but, like, there's a tiny bit of cramming here yeah. with all this new information of, so you have all this access to stuff, and, okay, this is a weapon, and this is a potential weapon against her, mm-hmm. and Herowar could use this because of reasons. It's just a little jam-packed, and it could have been ever so slightly threaded out mm-hmm.
1: had they done this in more extended format. So, yeah. <laughs> so, getting back into the actual timeline episode, mm-hmm. uh, so he tells Shade that until they can remove the gold, she will be locked up. Yep, he's very honest with her. Mm-hmm. Then we cut back very briefly to Earth. Where Hammond seems to be talking about boxing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I yeah. couldn't figure anything he else. He seemed be talk- to be about a he fight. He seemed really excited. <laughs> yeah, he seemed like some sort it of. It was kind of then.
0: adorable how yeah. pumped he was. UFC fighting still, I guess, like a little. It seemed as a little classless, but I think boxing's always been has like that higher refined sportsmanship yeah. quality to it. You know, Muhammad Ali style. Yeah, yeah. So I could see that being something an older man would like. I could see in a fine like capacity. Yeah.
1: and could talk about that in a cocktail party format. Absolutely. Uh, so, and then Jack comes up behind him and says, hey, there's been a leak and like just drops the information about the reporter. Then we go back to Abydos, uh, where Shade has apparently decided, yes, I want to go back with you. And they're walking back to the gate. They say it took the time to show wasn't
0: her spontaneously going, Okay, husband, let's just go back. She actually takes the time yeah, to think it they out. they
1: had conversations about it. She was, was very, very honest no with
0: all of her choices yeah. and what she was, what she would expect when she got back yeah. there. It's not like she wasn't aware she was already stuck between a rock and another rock. Exactly. I mean, there's really no great outcome from yeah, her. she
1: knew she was screwed. Yeah, but either either way, at least going at least back with Daniel, she knew way. she had him on exactly. her side. So they're walking back. They're walking into the where, where the gate is. And this is the moment where I'm like, Daniel, come the fuck on. Because you, everyone, can audibly hear the ship descending and there's dust falling from the ceiling. And Shade goes, Do you hear that? And Daniel actually says, Hear what? Yeah, I mean, I was like, Daniel, Daniel, there is sand falling
0: from the ceiling. Then again, the writers forget that Daniel's supposed to be blind, not deaf. <laughs> it
1: was real dumb. I was like, Come on, Daniel. <laughs> And then they think it's the approach of Apophis. Uh, So uh, Shade's Gold also thinks it's the approach of Apophis and takes control of her again. She's alerted and woken from her slumber, as it were. Uh, And she, you know, her eyes glow and everything. And Daniel's basically like, Shaddae, you can do this. You can take control again, blah, blah, blah. And she does manage to push her back down. But basically, even that brief amount of control was enough to start to incite the birth. Woke up, saw it through, did her little induction thing, and then went
0: dormant again so that the birth could happen successfully. Um,
1: So a ship is coming down. They assume it's Apophis. Uh, Shade's goal takes over again. She disappears again when Dana tries to talk Shade back through. Whatever it was, it was enough to induce labor. Uh, Potentially, but based on Tio's line, it may have been enough. Teal tries to dial out, but the ring transports are coming down directly into the gate room, so they have to leave. They do, like, two buttons, and then they have to to dip. That's the end of that scene for now. Uh, This is where I start to complain, because this is where it's not choppy, but it's getting close
0: to choppy, and it's getting a little too
1: congested. Yeah, yeah. This is where where the the congestion out, this episode would be smoother. Because we go back, and... It's Sam and Jack and Hammond talking about the reporter. Hammond explains how badly things would go if the reporter runs his story on the gate. Even if, like, no one actively believes it, enough people will that, like, there's going to be government officials who either want to shut it down or want in on it. And also, Russia and China will be pissed at them. And
0: it will have bad consequences. Absolutely, um, Mitigatable
1: or not, there's still shitty
0: consequences that we really don't need.
1: And, and Sam... knows what will happen now? Sam thinks the spill is someone, something, someone political, and she lists uh, Kinsey, Senator Kinsey, which I could one hundred percent buy, one hundred percent buy. Can you hear loudly? Not disagree. I immediately, I was like, "Yeah, you're you're probably right." Allow me to loudly not disagree. Uh, Hammond says they need more info from the reporter, and Jack Jackson sa- oh, Hammond says, "Can you find him again?" And Jack says, "I'll let him find me." Because Jack knows, <laughs> Jack knows this guy's looking for me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he basically he he leaves to go do that. Uh, then we go back to Abydos. and Daniel's talking shoddy, through the labor. Teal'c says it was actually Hurur who came down, not a, not Apophis. Yeah, it looks like uh uh Am-Amanette should have um done
0: some more assessing before yeah. she retreated. If that was Maybe, what happened, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> um, and see, this is where I feel like uh Fox tried to do Catherine Power's work Mm -hmm. because he said, when Teelix says, it's herroir, he also says, a huge enemy of (laughs) Apophis. It's like, look Catherine, if you just said one line in one episode about (laughs) herroir, we wouldn't be here now. (laughs) Uh, Okay, um, while she's going through her labor and everything. So um, one time I won't complain honestly
0: about sped up labor because oftentimes the first child is not the fast one because your body's not used to this Mm -hmm. process yet. Oftentimes, I'm not doesn't happen. I usually complain about it in TV shows. I'm like, oh, this is awfully sped up. And this is not, I won't because of all the mitigating circumstances. Yeah, that sure. Is the alien presence mm-hmm. in there. The so induction. The, the one time yeah.
1: that I'm like, yeah, fuck it, whatever. <laughs> I do also like that uh, while he's like talking you through the, the labor and everything, he takes a moment to be like, you remember this? This is where we hit out from Raw oh, yeah. together. I was like, <laughs> Yeah. Love it. I love it. This isn't the first time he's made a point of referencing the movie. No. Like, I love his respect for the continuity. <laughs> they might, they, they would have to, because otherwise, I mean, they're on the planet yeah, from absolutely. the person. The but literal still, source
0: of the show. I appreciate that he's actually making I appreciate the the that they were idiots during yeah. this. This is an important uh, episode to, to trust to a guy that wasn't one of the core
1: writers. Right, yeah. I guess he did so well in Prisoners. I they're guess like, so. Oh, go for it, my man. <laughs> Uh, so Teal's basically saying like this is they're getting close. We we you know we need to hurry this up or whatever. And Daniel says I will not leave her while she's you know going through the slavery. I'm not leaving. You showed me. You had to show me this face in the second part when uh Teal tries to reemphasize how much they need to leave. Yes, it was so good. He's just like I I won't leave her, and just like his face is so remarkable in this scene. It's so good because you you can just see like it's not even a question to him. He's not leaving. And Why are Teal talking
0: about this? accepts it. I will go distract the guards. I like how he says it though. He goes. Down. He basically says, "I will attempt to hold the door as long as I yeah, can." Yeah, it's so good. He establishes
1: that this is going to be a losing fight, but he'll do what he can. Exactly, but but it's Daniel's choice. Jing- Daniel said it's going to be her decision. I'm not leaving her. So Teal's like, "Fine, I came here to be your backup. You said that you trusted your life to me. I'm going to be the best stand backup you have, and that if that means I die doing it." I'm doing my job. Yeah. No, and yeah. that's what, that's where Teal buckles down. Yeah. Where Teal is strong in this sense Yeah, episode. I like what he says. He says it's a good kind of like almost like moral quality. Like, yeah. oh shit, I'm dying today. really like, happen, have a lot of hope about right, like, of succeeding. Right? Exactly. He's yeah. smart about what he does. He's, he's, but he doesn't have a lot of
0: like. No, nah, nah, he's pragmatic about it. Yeah. yeah. That's funny because all I can think about is like how I would have responded, which is I'd be more like that pilot I told you about from um the the defiant pilot. Yes, yes, the one who's what, trapped and who's uh when the when Wharf goes, I guess today is a good day to die. grabbing <laughs> speed and the pilot's kinda like Yeah you know <laughs> it's just like that moment of Great <laughs> He's doing it, but it's like you can just see the reluctance on his face. It's like, oh cool, I guess we're dying. Yeah. Sure would have been nice to, you know, not have a Klingon for a captain. You know? <laughs> yeah. So like when someone said that, I'd be like, okay, I guess I'm kinda guard the door. You know, we could have like left, you know <laughs> lived, but you know, it's fine. You know, I always wanted to go out with a fireball face.
1: It's fine.
0: (laughs) Fuck this. All right. (laughs) Like, I'd do it, but it'd be a certain degree of reluctance. Love it. Where I'd be specifying to, even if it's just the air, that in alternate universe 667,
1: I did not have to die in this hallway. So, uh, back on Earth, Jack goes and sits on a bench and waits, and the journalist, of course, comes and sits down next to him and he knows that Jack <laughs> sorry. It's- I like how people do this as if it's casual looking. Yeah.
0: When have you ever seen two strangers actually actively choose to sit next so to, to, to each other, other on anything bench, on the bench? Right? It's just weird. If you see another... If you see a stranger randomly sit next to another stranger on the bench, you will quickly notice oh, that yeah. other stranger, that first stranger on the bench, getting up and yeah. leaving uh-huh. Because it's disconcerting.
1: <laughs> um, But I do like that the journalist immediately calls him out on... I know why you're here. You're here to find out how much information I have while you guys try and figure out what to do with me. I like that this guy... You and I both agree this is too quick and too... Just because it was doable doesn't mean it should have been done. But I'm going to give a little point for the fact that him saying that means this is not the first time he's had to deal with breaking a story on something this secretive. That he knows exactly what their operations standards are. That just makes it
0: worse for me, though, that's the thing, because that just makes me go, okay, but then that makes me question how the fuck you got away with that. That's to, to use Cinemasins again here. Uh, something he often mentions in a lot of his videos that I really like is character references a storyline that would have been a better movie than this. <laughs> and it's like when they do a throwaway thing, like in Indiana Jones, where the, the shitty Crystal Skull movie, yeah. where he says like this is like that time in oh, like Vietnam or some shit. Yeah. It's a throwaway line. You don't pay attention to it, and it's but he throws out a quick little mini complicated plot line that Cinemasins points out. Her character mentions a storyline that would have been a much better Indiana Jones movie than this piece of shit. Yeah. And it's like, ha ha ha. But seriously, yeah. he references mm-hmm. something. That would have made such a better episode. Okay, like what? And what was that outcome? And oh shit, why are we worried? Yeah. This would have been a great episode. Yeah, absolutely. As a, as a suspense, full thing. It such. should have
1: been when, A or B When I said this episode made me
0: uncomfortable, I guess I was auto again. Where I expected this to be more. Mm-hmm. Where I expected to be uncomfortable. Yeah, that's why when said that, I was like, I don't
1: remember this reporter being I, a big deal. I, love
0: it. I expected it to be more. Sure. I was expecting this to be more more of a thing Mm -hmm. than it ended up being. And I feel like the episode also expected it to be more of a thing. And then somehow something got cut somewhere. It's like the rug got pulled out from their feet. It's weird.
1: It took half their storyline with them. Yeah, unfortunately, there's only so much we'll ever know about an episode.
0: Yeah. We'll never know anything about this guy. It's cool.
1: So Jack says, without confirming that this guy is right, keeps doing like really obvious fishing questions. Right. Like, he knows that this guy knows, but he's like, I'm still gonna play this game. Who plays it better? Who plays it better, motherfucker? Let's try this. Yeah, so, uh, the guy gives in and is like, okay, fine, I'll play your game. And, like, starts giving all this information that he knows about the Stargate. That it's used to, you know, go to other planets, that there's between 9 and 12 teams, and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, yeah, you definitely got this information from Kinsey. There's no fucking way you didn't get this information from Kinsey. But, like, he gives, like, plenty of information. And Jack, once again, no reaction to any of this. And, like, just- Which, wow. And doesn't even say anything I think, in response. Really just, like, after he finds out what well, this guy knows, he stands up and goes, Well, if you're going to go through with this, it's only with two L's. There's another guy with only one. He has no sense of humor. (laughs) And then he just, he's out.
0: (laughs) O'Neill saw into the future, saw my criticism of Kurt
1: Russell's portrayal of a block of wood. And took that and came up with a much better line. (laughs) Can I say though, that if you remember correctly, he also made a joke kind of like this in the pilot. And again, Terry Curtis Fox doing the callbacks, doing the continuity. No, he had clearly watched Children of the Gods yes. and then wrote this I episode. Love it. It's terrific.
0: It's beautiful. It's almost he as if he understands for the how source to write material. This is how an episodic writer should always operate. Okay, in the sense of, let's say you're writing a completely unique storyline. Like you're given But you're still writing a world that exists. Right. I would still watch a few previous episodes. Like let's say I'm told this is an episode about Deanna Troy from Star Trek The Next Generation, but I'm given complete they're not even saying use her mind powers. Yeah. All they're saying is this has Deanna Troy in it. Mm-hmm. I would still watch a few episodes specific to the mindset of Deanna Troy, yeah. so that that way I would make sure she didn't react like a dumbass. Yeah, like for example, she liked chocolate. Let's say I was completely fresh to this, I wouldn't. If I didn't watch episodes, I might accidentally have her eating lemon ice cream or something mm-hmm. because I like lemon ice cream. Mm. You know it's that kind of yeah. thing. He's clearly of the of the smart variety Absolutely of writer who not. goes, okay, I'm writing something that's directly in reference to key plots, you know, stuff. That's why I'm like really impressed. This is this is not one of the core team mm-hmm. of writers the, the creator writers yeah. because he's referencing a lot of really important plot details. And he's doing a good job. Yeah, I like
1: Terry Curtis Fox. Mm -hmm. This is like when
0: Simon Pegg wrote Star Trek Beyond. For the first time in a while, it was somebody who actually watched Star Trek writing Star Trek. Mm -hmm. It
1: was nice. It was nice. But yeah, so he starts to walk away up the stairs. You know, you don't think anyone will believe the story? And then Jack's like, it'll read like science fiction. Oh, sorry. He says something else. And then Jack says, it'll read like science fiction. And then he says, you don't believe anyone, you don't think anyone will believe it. And then Jack says, I'm sure someone will. Jack in all of these scenes with the reporter is just so good. Great bits of dialogue. She gives him nothing. Great acting. acting. As you said it. It's remarkable. It is so good. As much as he bitches about the politics of his job, it's ironic. (laughs) He reveals in this episode how good he is at dealing with it.
0: Which is not a tired cliche because that's a real life thing. Mm -hmm. The best leaders are the ones who are quote-unquote ill-suited to it, the people who don't want the, the role. The ones who don't drink the Kool-Aid over Yes. <laughs> you know, the best kings are the ones who don't want to be king. He's exactly uh... how experienced, like, he's
1: XP come to life in the best way, you know what I mean? So, of course, this amazing scene has to be ca- capped off with the worst part of this entire episode, <laughs> where As Jack is walking away, The reporter starts to walk in the opposite direction. They do no less than two
0: very weirdly long, drawn-out, established, close shots of two guys going, (sighs) and he gets hit by a car. Seriously, they they do a drawn-out shot of Jack turning around, and then they stay on his face for entirely too long, and then they go to the guy and then stay on his face for entirely too long, and then they finally get around to showing what's actually happening here.
1: Yeah, it's real dumb,
0: which is him getting hit by a car. It's, it's like real dumb. Choppier would have been better at this moment. Yeah. It, was,
1: it was what was that? It was bad. That was
0: too long.
1: The scene length here is too disproportionate. But Jack rushes down to him to and like clears the area and like tells someone to call, you know, Fernando's and all that kind of stuff. And <laughs> and the guy just immediately blames Jack and Jack's like this wasn't us. <laughs> okay. It's not that his so it, Jack's line is fine. It,
0: it doesn't even sound like bullshit. No, this wasn't yeah. you know, me. It's not that this uh, reporter actor is a bad actor.
1: Up until this point, he He has not been been doing bad acting. Maybe he's just good at subtle work only. His final delivery is real bad.
0: The the only thing worse than that that editing was that acting in that scene. Because it's just, it's just sort of... You know, okay. uh, uh,
1: uh, Drawn out, eye rolling up into my skull as my head falls. It's just, it's so bad. you remember our earlier (laughs) supposition with how awkward this and another scene is that there might have been reshoots? Orchestra. Maybe that was the only take they had. I, it's bad. I'm not excusing it. I'm just saying maybe that's the only take they had. If they had multiple
0: takes, I can't help but just be him in proxy here. Yeah. Just like if you had multiple. Why takes... Why did you use that one? Why that one? Yeah. Was that the really the best? Because honestly, that can it just doesn't feel like that was indicative of his acting. No. Maybe they like Jack so much that in that like yes. performance in that that, that they, they threw the other actor under the table. And they were like, whatever. He's not. He's not coming back. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like anyone that neurotic is gonna be watching this yeah. Any- <laughs> But yeah, so it's like maybe it's being too harsh, but it, I don't know. That was just it was, it no, seemed it was just bad. Like a bad scene. And then they do that the, it's a necessary evil of T V where you have to have the hand coming away from the head all bloodied.
1: Uh-huh. Where they yeah. do like
0: this big like dramatic review. Yeah. But most of us are going like because you have onlookers and you're also going, uh, that's a lot of blood and yeah, yeah, especially yeah. if you're like used to blood. You're not staring at it. If you're used to blood in your hands, especially, you you don't display it in this no, manner. Let no. me put it to you that way.
1: <laughs> so just bad scene. Bad scene all around. And then we go back to Abydos, where Ksuth is being questioned about where Shadé is. And he's like, I don't know. I'm telling you the truth. I do not know. Which at this point, he doesn't know. He
0: yeah. doesn't know where she is. I just... He, it's not that the guy doing the hitting is doing a bad job I just I feel for him because he's clearly trying to maneuver around an uncertain set in a very not visually yeah. accessible he's device he's doing his best. he did a good job yeah. but he's just not as smooth in his movements as someone who actually had an actual clear view would be so just it's just funny it's like the stormtrooper hitting his head on the door and yes. <laughs> actually he's more like Michael Keaton when he's wearing the Batman head yes. Um he couldn't move his head in the thing. Oh, man. So people thought it was like a character trait. No, it was Michael Keaton trying to see. <laughs> where he's just whipping his whole body around because he can't twist his neck in that thing. God. In the cow. So it's kind of like that where the guy's trying minutely not to make it really obvious yeah. he can't see, but he's also trying to fall.
1: And he's, Absolutely. and again, on an uncertain set. But yeah, so uh, while he's questioning Kasuf, Teal comes in and fights him. And we don't see the end of that fight. We just see him, like, pull out the, the zat, and fire. This is where I start to get a little annoyed with the transitions. Oh, yeah. They're rapid fire at the end here because of the fact that we decided to put three plot lines, lines in, in here. It's story. just a bad plan. It's- uh, I do honestly, as as brief as this moment is and how it's a little choppy, I do kind of like... it gets his point across. I do like that they don't show who wins the fight. Mm-hmm. They just show he's gonna start the fight. I appreciate that. Yeah, don't no, give okay, anyway. I think as choppy as a lot of these transitions are, unnecessary where the scenes are cut always feels good i will not bitch about that yeah yeah i don't think yeah i don't think i can't remember anything that yeah yes, i feel like i'm just gonna much, say yes yeah, I don't i'm doing this it's, yes it's like oh daniel i need to have some time alone to think leaves Goes into the, that scene yeah you don't need to, like, to show there's him there's a lot of really good yeah. yes. this is the end of a moment yes and now we're going to another place yes. yeah there was too much plot in this episode but they did well where the scenes end and it feels like a good ending for us. Yeah. So, no, I'll give you that. Yeah, so now we go back to Earth. It's Sam and her dad in like a like a conference room.
0: Yeah, some Alone. side room. Oh no, I think that was it okay, so this might be me just reading into it, but from from what I established, and I think this is actually good writing. Uh-huh. I think this is an element of good writing and good directing. It appears to me that this took is actually taking place because so the accident happened, yeah. right? And based on her dialogue here, where she says that O'Neill got called, um, had, was a witness to an accident. Yeah. It seems to me that that might be like a podium behind her. I think that was where they were supposed to get their rewards. I think this is taking place after the ceremony that they it didn't happen. get to have. Yeah. And so that. that's why he's staring out the window. It seemed that he was staring kind of upset in the mm-hmm. out the window because he's in the empty room where he was supposed to watch his daughter get a medal. Yeah. And instead it's not happening. I'll buy that. I don't believe there's anything specifically said.
1: No, they, they don't say anything about that.
0: That's my that. That's unbelievable to me. Okay, now, yeah. on that note, um, one I'm thing serious. I really oh, did like. Yeah is that opening shot fucking killed me. I actually made Eric, I made him die in league on accident because mm-hmm. he was playing. Oh, and I went, babe, look at this, look at this shot. And I paused and made him look and he was good for him. He looked. <laughs> but the um, opening shot, he's looking at the window, right? And then you can see the reflection of the Washington Monument. However, for once, it didn't look quite as penile because I realized that this obviously had to be a purposeful shot yeah. based on how it was so directly um, in the reflection. Mm-hmm. So I paused and i was staring at it. I realized it's like a lance, a sword. He's standing guard like the protector that he's imagining himself over his daughter. Oh, nice! It's a really it's
1: great a imagery thing. Completely incapable. Yeah, of this shot. it was a beautiful choice of imagery. Maybe at that they didn't have a, a lot of rushed reshoots that just it was ruined great, the because face. that had to be CGI, obviously, yeah. because they weren't actually in. Yeah. But
0: they, it was, it stands out. But honestly, it's it's not too terrible mm-hmm. in how much it's CGI would in there because it immediately makes me it's go, a, "Why they a do a it?" Yeah. and that made me think of it. I go, like, "Holy shit! looks like a knight." Nice. An old knight, I didn't even tired, but still at ready, still tirelessly protecting his kid, misguided or otherwise, the imagery still fits, and I loved it. I really got into that scene for like a second. It was very happy for me. So that was my really great directing moment yeah. of this episode. It was good choice, dude. Absolutely. If I see what you did there, and I like it.
1: Nice. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Sam, like you said, says the medal ceremony was canceled because Jack witnessed an accident and the president was unable to reschedule. Yeah, understandable. Yeah, I think the president's a little busy. Back then, they didn't usually the go off all the time. Yeah. And then Jacob, just out of fucking nowhere, says, I have cancer. <laughs> I like how he's finally, finally
0: he's tired of being an ass. Mm-hmm. I guess he's got tired of just of, of uh, covertly attempting to manipulate her and just went, you know what, fuck it, I'm just gonna go full gill. Bitch, I'm dying. Yeah. Do what I want. I
1: want you, I want to live just long enough to see you become an astronaut. Fathers have dreams, too. Cool, have them be about your own accomplishments, not hers. Your dream is not what you say it is. No. You keep on using this word. I do not think it means what you think it means. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, this is where he really shows his fucking stripes because she's crying and he just turns and walks away because she says, I can't. I, I,
0: she, this is where I really respect the fuck out of her. Hell yeah. Because she just tearfully, regretfully, but still positively and firmly in her own respectful, confident right, Mm -hmm. says, I'm sorry, but no. Oh, yeah. But they're hearing that, and they are deciding no. It's obviously just absolving themselves of responsibility. Mm
1: -hmm. So, uh, and I made a note saying, can't believe he's more tolerable as a Tok'ra. (laughs) Uh, Then we go back to Shade giving uh, in labor, and she actually makes a point of she doesn't want to give birth, because she will, quote, lose Daniel. And Daniel's like, no, I will always love you, and you have to do this. Like, you giving birth and, you know, going back to being a host with the gold in control of you is not going to make me stop loving you, and you need to do this. But I do like that him, like, reassuring her of that does make her stop fighting it. Yeah, oh yeah, because that can't be helping. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) She gives birth, the gold immediately takes over, and tells Daniel to give her the child. And Daniel's like, no. (laughs) No. the child away from her like right <laughs> you're not my boss <laughs> right but yeah so uh Teal'c comes in in stolen armor and he, while he's still wearing the armor says Heror is taking the child and then shoots her so she's unconscious I do like when Teal'c says that you see a little bit of very subtle facial acting on Daniel's face, where it's clear he recognizes Teal's voice. Oh, you know,
0: right? Because I wrote that down. Clearly, Teal's voice. Yeah,
1: where he's ninety-seven percent sure that that's Teal. One way or another, what can you do? You're holding a faint. right? Don't really have a choice either way. So <laughs> let's let's
0: go with this. I think it's Teal. His face definitely wasn't happy at any point, in that no, you know, it was he was oh god, yeah, He is his emotional everything here.
1: So Daniel brings the child to Kasouf and tells him he has to go into hiding, and then he tells Kasouf. Both he and Sade will not give up. Uh, so, uh, back on Earth, uh, Hammond awards the medals to Sam and Jack back at SGC. Uh, and Sam tells him it's more of an honor to receive the medal from Hammond than the president anyway. Oh, and then, you know, he, Hammond says, like, okay, well, you know, Teal'c and Jack are expecting you on, not Jack, Teal'c and Daniel are expecting you on the other side of the gate. So, you know, go ahead and start to head out. So she heads out first, and then Jack is still there when Hammond, like, Gives Jack, like, a a meaningful look and goes Jack, it was an accident. He leaves, and you can see Jack still doesn't quite buy it. This is another scene where I feel like you can take it two ways. Mm -hmm. You can either have that when Hammond says, it was an accident, it was him telling Jack the narrative... Is that it was an accident? That's what I took from that too. Yeah. That's why I said this episode. That's what I was alluding to. The dark. Yeah, this
0: is that dark element because I fully interpreted that as. So I'm, not, I'm just going to put out straight. Let's see if I can get through this. I don't think Hammond had actually anything, anything to do with the specific orchestration of this. No. However, I think that's honestly where his lack of culpability ends. I think directly after his conversation with Jack, he, he told to some people, somebody, yeah, fully aware that they were going to do something. He knew intervention was going to happen. He didn't know necessarily that it was going to be death. He did not know what that intervention would take the form of. But he knew intervention would take place. And what do you
1: know? An hour later, something very helpful to them happened. I'm willing to believe that entirely. Especially when you say, like, the whole thing where he told someone. Yeah. And then, like... What they do, I don't yes, know. But he's a general, he's yeah. not stupid.
0: He's older, no. he's wise, he mm-hmm. understands how life is. He knows exactly what was going to happen. So he's still complicit but in But again,
1: situation. with how he delivered... This is another... This episode is rife with people doing, like, double deliveries. Mm-hmm. Another thought I had, because he did sound, like, very earnest when he said I it. He which could have been just him protecting Jack. Or, my other thought was... They he was talking about how you need to get you need to find out what he ha- what information he has we need to find out where the leak was mm-hmm. in looking for the leak. Kinsey figured out oh they know I'm the leak mm-hmm. and Kinsey was cleaning up. Maybe I could one hundred percent buy Kinsey ordering a hit on that guy. I think either is likely because it's because of the fact that he was specifically saying while well, you find out how much information he has, we're gonna try and figure out like the source of this leak and what to do about it. So the timing of that could be Kinsey going, oh fuck. <laughs> so I think either of those deliveries works. It's not that I'm disagreeing. I'm just usually able to kind of see where mm-hmm. you're coming from. Like it's not
0: that I can't, it's just I I guess I'm just really firmly online. Yeah. I No, yeah, that's yeah, fine. You're good. I just I um so I'm yeah, you're saying fine.
1: that I think because of the way he delivered him his line. Yeah, it could be that. I I it, either it of those works. Be. Yes. I I I truly think that
0: that's a possible interpretation, but that it was the other dual thing for me, which was it was more of a half threat, honestly, yeah. which was don't look into yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean it. Mm-hmm. I like this relationship we have mm-hmm. where you don't think of me as somebody who willingly. So it's kind of like that. I like to protect what no, we I have. Kind I, I like it. I think it. Create some interesting elements. I, for me, it was more of the intrigue element of. I think oh, it's honestly I I just a, a more of a character. I personally took it as a character introduction, an element, uh, introduction to his character of. By the way, Hammond is a player. Mm-hmm. Oh, I feel like it's, it's a thing. I, I think it's you know an extra element of that player thing where it turns out he actually plays. Here's
1: the thing. Overall, I honestly believe that interpretation more. The only reason I wanted to list the other one is because when he initially said that, partly because I was, like, distracted by, like, you fiddling with my internet in the background the whole time. It was bugging me. (laughs) But I initially 100% believed Hammond when he said that. And then I was like, well, wait. If it was an accident, it, it clearly wasn't an actual accident, but if it wasn't on Hammond's end then it must have been on the person who leaked the information's end, in. and because I one hundred percent believe it was Kinsey, and because Kinsey is fucking slimy and would cover his ass to would kill someone to cover his ass,
0: it's not outside the realm of possibility to yeah. do that.
1: Mm-hmm. That's why initially that was my interpretation, but then like lingering on thinking about that scene more, it does seem more likely, especially when you again. Call back to Jack saying the whole thing about, oh yeah, Hammond is a player, you know? Mm-hmm. And also, season two is just giving us more of Hammond in right. general. Right. We're seeing more of who Hammond is. Right. So, I'm 100%, I lean more towards that interpretation, but I think either are possibilities. Yep. So, Teal'c in his stolen armor brings Daniel to Harrower like a
0: prisoner. Oh yeah, I know, by the way, just to finish up for me on that yeah. scene between uh, Jack and uh, Hammond, mm-hmm. it's such a brief interlude for them, but. Fuck me, do I love that scene. It's good. For all the possible interpretations mm-hmm. aside, everything is so well done. Yeah. It's quiet. Yeah. It's somber. Hell, Jack's reaction. Mm-hmm. Another thing that's set up, honestly, my interpretation yeah. for me is Jack's reaction. Oh, yeah, he doesn't <laughs> seem to he believe seems him He yeah. He's yeah. kind of like, you can see his look of, like,
1: he's honestly just a little unnerved. Mm-hmm. He's... No, to be honest, it's like,
0: it's an accident. Jack's
1: reaction is what made me rethink and go back to the hand. Right, because it's it's like,
0: whoa. You know what, I also don't want to open that door. Yeah, absolutely.
1: No matter what, it's cracked now. Yeah. Yeah. So Teok brings Daniel to Harrow as a prisoner, still wearing his stolen armor, uh, and says that Apophis took the child. Daniel offers Harrow an alliance against Apophis, and Harrow is like, nah you'll serve me and i do love again daniel's i don't think so
0: right oh (laughs) god it's It's definitely got some michael shanks in there don't get me wrong, but no i don't think so so spader oh my god i i felt the spader i felt it in me it was even in those last two seasons where i'm just really not that good for it I still, every now and then, catch tiny elements of Spader in there. Yeah,
1: because he never forgets no. who his character is. Man, yeah, I've loved that. You'll never catch me not saying good things about Michael Shanks' acting. Oh, yeah, man. Like, I'll make fun of his refusal to pronounce things correctly. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I just, his delivery there is so good. Because, like, it, someone else would be like, never, or blah, blah, blah. And Daniel's just like, nah, it's not going to happen. <laughs> No, I don't think so. I don't think so. It's more insulting than, like, more never, or you'll never, it's just, like, it's never gonna happen, buddy. Don't, don't.
0: His fuck yous take on many forms, it's and so they are always great. They're uh, always, they're either snide snarky, or outright snarky, or perky snarky. Or entirely
1: dismissive snarky. <laughs> like, just, like, <laughs> you are a bug under my heel. I don't care about you. <laughs>
0: I cannot wait to make you watch Farscape. because because Ben Browder sometimes he's fat shit. Uh Sorry, Ben Browder isn't. Maybe he is. To portray it the way he does, man, he has he he's great. He's very Mm -hmm. open minded with his body, and I mean that as in how he acts, sometimes when he acts crazy, he just kind of flails, and I'm talking verbally and physically. Dang. And so he'll, he will present his lines sometimes, because his character gets a lot of his brain fucked with, so yeah. it's totally in character for him just to just sometimes be whatever. Yeah. And so sometimes he'll just, like, put on a cape, and it's kind of just because it's Crichton. Beautiful. He doesn't deliver some lines in a way you would have expected. And so I love Daniel, because and Michael Shanks is Daniel, and Spader's Daniel, because it's not necessarily, his responses are exactly what I would have thought, which is, fuck you. But then he takes it to a different level each time. And it fits each time. Yeah. It's like a puzzle. It's a fuck it's you beautiful. puzzle piece that's adaptable. And I need it. I need a universal fuck you.
1: That's what it is. He yeah. is
0: the universal fuck you
1: yeah. giver. <laughs> his, I don't think so, is <laughs> peak Spader, though. You're right. That's a very Spader delivery. This is why I think, honestly, Ben rather fit in later. With the show
0: is because even though the character wasn't the same or anything, no. though, obviously, it's just that you people act that kind of way, you have to have that kind of soul, mm. <laughs> spirit, you know, yeah. uh, mentality. Even though uh, Michael Shanks' is, is a very different yeah. output version, it's similar enough, obviously, mm-hmm. kindred spirit enough that I think that worked well. Oh, I love off their chemistry. on stage enough that they were able to make a new dynamic mm-hmm. with their team that. Was very good,
1: yeah. Even in some really bad writing, yeah. There were a <laughs> lot of problems with the last couple seasons of Stargate. The team chemistry was not exactly. one of them, and
0: I think I just I'm really thinking now. I, I guess that must have been because of some good casting again. Mm-hmm. You know, they at least. Worked. It was a delight. It fit. The team chemistry was yeah. a delight. so yeah, I just, I, I love
1: Michael Shanks here. I absolutely. Just, I, I, we it's had just the same well, love well. for that line. Just,
0: no, I don't think so. Uh,
1: so Harrow is about to hand device Daniel for the <laughs> affront. Uh, so he's about to attack Daniel for, what, the 70th time with the hand device? So he's about to attack him, but the gate starts to dial through. Harrow assumes <laughs> it's a <Pophis> and tells <laughs> his Jaffa to stand ready. <laughs> Sorry, my deal on that is... This episode's
0: timing and convenience is actually, like a an direct continuation that. of the movie. I actually have
1: an answer for hey, that. I'm though. not mad at it. You know why? Because it's continuity again. It's continuity. No, of I, the no, massive no. I don't think it's convenience convenience. even continuity. I think it's the fact that so Hammond says in the scene before Hammond tells Sam, uh, Daniel and Teal are, are expecting, expecting you. you. Yeah, I gotcha. So I'm assuming they had a time they were supposed to come through because sure. that's how the gate works. That's how they always do the things. You need to call in at this certain time to let us know that you're still alive and not captured. This team is gonna come through to relieve you at this time. That stuff is scheduled. Because here's here's why I think this was on purpose. Because Tilk came in with Daniel. They didn't get dragged in here. They made a point of coming into the gate room. I mean, so I think-
0: I mean,
1: I, mean, I feel like that was less to do- I mean, I, Here's the thing. I'm actually- You
0: actually could be onto something here because I don't- I can't remember anything really expressly stating otherwise mm-hmm. or even to support my thing directly that I'm about to say. So I'm not- Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm still going to say yes yeah. to you here. However, I'm not entirely sure if it was of his own volition in terms of that like, he knew there was a time to go for it yeah. so much as- literal shit was closing in and this literally had to happen and it had to happen now because Harrower was there and there was no other opportunity like for example if he waited let's say that another let's just say there were like you know people searching right mm-hmm. let's say another guard came upon them and now it's a joint venture of turning him in now he has less control over yeah. the situation and can't protect daniel as much so i expected it to be more of a we're doing this guard thing let's do
1: it get to the gate they're clearly winging it yeah, at this point. Yeah, no. Right. Here's the thing. I think, especially because Daniel did not have a weapon on him uh, because he's pretending to be a prisoner. Right. Because right. they got the kid away to safety. They're happy there. Oh, did, did we cover that? The, the kid is yeah. safe. Yeah, yeah, we could. They gave him to costume. Yeah. Teal has at least some idea about how many guards um, Harrower has with him. If they don't have any sort of backup, except that Harrower isn't going to think this guard works for him, going in. With just him, and one weapon, and Daniel not even wearing... Not even wearing... He's wearing a t-shirt. And no weapons. It is the stupidest plan in the world. However... The way that he plans to—he throws someone. I, mean, I just remember that just now. I
0: just remember that he actually did station himself in a very strategic position. It could have
1: been winging it, and it could have been convenient. And I don't feel like but I don't do necessarily not,
0: think it is anymore. And I feel right. like
1: if he thought Apophis was the one coming yeah, through, it could. have been convenient. the gate could have been a bad no, plan. No, I
0: mean, it could have been convenient, but it could more likely have been more planned in that right. respect. Judging right, by, on that, yeah. yeah,
1: judging by how they respond yeah, to the gate coming through, I feel yeah, like no, they I, knew exactly. I'll on that one honestly. The rest of my nose says the gate dials through and Teal'c throws one of the guards into the opening. I still think it might have
0: been winging honestly because let's be fair, half of skill is luck is a phrase for a reason. It could have been Teal'c just being fucking lucky and using it. However, I do believe you're right, I do agree with you more. (laughs) I think
1: it would have helped to have like I don't know one line in there to something more establishing. Yeah, yeah. like even like later it. on, like at the end of the fight, something where where they're like, oh, thank thank goodness you were here on time or something. Yes, yeah, something. something like yeah, would have helped. But I do honestly believe that is how that scene played out. Yeah, you no, know, hey, they you're knew a- that Sam and. Jack would be coming through at this time and they were counting on the back. Yeah, no, you're, you're good. You're good there. But yeah, so the gate opens up. Tilt throws one man into the opening gate and vaporizes him and shoots another.
0: Yeah, this is where the background guard continuity uh, starts
1: to go to shit. I do like that <laughs> Sam and Jack come through in the middle of a fight and just kind of stand here and look at everyone for a second and go, alright! <laughs> yeah. I love that. They're coming to him going, fuck, what? Fuck. <laughs> they respond pretty quickly. You know, Jack's like, cover me. And like she comes out with her Zat and he's got his machine gun or whatever. I do like that to buy them the time to respond to seeing this firefight that they walked out into, Daniel like attacks uh Harrow for a second right? just to just to throw him off balance for a second. But I like that Harrower's so mad at him for this that he Backhanded bitch slaps into the ground. <laughs> right. No, that's, that, that's fitting to go goals right there. I just, I literally wrote down backhanded bitch slap. Right, yeah. Yep, just bitch it's, the ground. It's the pretty woman slap. Why do they always go for the face? Yes. They really always wallop you. Do they take you aside at school and teach <laughs> you? So, while Sam is covering him, Jack shoots directly at Haru's force field. And Harrow uh, is like, oh, you dare challenge me. And I love that, <laughs> again, again, Terry Curtis Fox showing his memory and knowledge of previous episodes because Jack, without even hesitating, goes, I was thinking about it, and pulls a knife from his, from his, like, combat knife from his belt and just <laughs> throws it. And it goes through the force field because as we already learned in um the Nox, slower things will make, make it through. And so, and his aim is remarkable because it goes straight through the hand device. So, of course, was like, oh, fuck. Uh, I'm out. <laughs> so, I have two things
0: on this. One, so first off, I would assume that damaged the shield quite a lot, considering how that's the source of the shield device, right?
1: No. That was his hand device. That wasn't the. That wasn't the shield. Right, the shield but, was something here or something. Right,
0: but it's on the same thing. I would assume Those are two different devices. But it's still going through his hand into the back of his thing. I would assume the device is pretty damaged. It's included in the trivia as a goof that okay. the back of Maybe. his thing still activates the wings, believe. even though a knife is going through his hand into the device. Mm-hmm. I would just, here's the thing, I guess it's not a criticism, honestly, because it's honestly more of a commendation Mm -hmm. to go old technology technology that it can suffer catastrophic damage Uh of both external and internal proportions, and yet still mostly um, operate as intended. Yeah, he's lucky Good those job. rings came down, honestly. I am not saying that his shield wasn't functioning, because I'm guessing somehow, despite a knife, again, despite catastrophic damage, it seems to... He was still holding it in front of his face. It did appear as if he was still guarding himself. Yeah. But just once, I'd just like to it. see somebody attempt to shoot through the rings mm-hmm. when somebody's transporting, because everyone always just so polite. They always just so politely sit there and wait for the entire fucking process to complete. I'm like, I guess I'm just a, a bitch, but
1: I would just, you know, just ping ping just to try. Just to try. Just, just just Yeah, so he dips out using the rings. Um and I do like that again, this is a callback I said way, 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 way earlier, four hours ago, about how, um, you were talking about how Sam is a textbook. Yeah. And Sam walks up to Jack goes, oh, you remembered the blah, 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 blah. Like, it gives the really technical answer for why the knife managed to go through his shield when the bullets didn't. And Jack just stares at her for a minute and goes, right. Right. (laughs) Like, yeah, I remember the technical aspects, not knife will get through shield, but bullets won't. (laughs) um, I'm going to just let this
0: happen, because honestly, I already got mad about it twice, once at home and another time earlier with you before we were recording. I just don't want to do it again, and I don't want to make people listen to it. For those who are going to be watching the episode, or have been, just, if it's worth it to you to do this, I mentioned for a moment earlier, before we completely move yeah. on, that the background continuity of oh, yeah, the guards yeah, yeah. goes to shit. All. When, um, after Sam and Jack join the fight, she shoots one, mm-hmm. and he starts zapping, right? And he's, like, in full shock yeah. mode. And he's, in a couple of scenes, the is actually pretty good, where he's still visibly still, I believe it has been firmly established that zap first shot makes you, maybe not like physically unconscious, but definitely down. Mm-hmm. Like, you are not still operational yeah. afterwards, not in an actual sense, right? Like, you are not going to be, I don't know, Stay in the next shot, visibly unshocked, unharmed, and back in ready fire no. position. No. Yeah, as he is, as she shoots him again, here's where the continuity goes to shit, because she... He's either, A, having been shot once and is somehow back mm-hmm. in firing position, which directly contradicts what we've been told about Zat guns up till now.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I try to take into account the fact that he is prolonged shocked for a couple of shots, yeah. which means, for example, maybe the metal in the suit is prolonging the shocking. However, that does, not, that does not mean that he would then shake it off. No. That just means it would take longer. Yeah. That does n- nothing. Nothing establishes, nothing helps him somehow be completely unshocked and back in ready position. So he's either been shot once, or two is what happens here. When she shoots him again, I say that in quotes, he falls onto the second guard, who I believe had already been shot also, but now is unconscious. So his continuity I wasn't really paying attention to as much. He was, I maybe shot correctly, as all I know is that he wasn't he wasn't there one uh-huh. moment, and then all of a sudden was there just to get landed on. That might have been the one that Teal shot. Maybe. All I know is he gets landed on, and then Sam's third shot disintegrates them. Yeah. That's the only thing that can work for them to be disintegrated. Yeah. But that, then, that's why I got really annoyed, because that directly translates then that somehow despite them showing him being shocked for at least four or five shots where they kept showing him in the background going and you can see the little electrical (laughs) effect and everything. Really guys, watch this scene if you like to be pissed off because you can just see him there, see him there, see him there and all of a sudden he's just not being shocked as if he could just shrug off a zap and then gets directly killed and disintegrated back to the rules again as if it's nothing. I don't know. It's a nightmare. Just a garbage continuity moment. That's just really annoying to me because it stands out. And that's it. That's it. I'm out. Done. Moving on. All right. On.
1: Uh, so they're about to go home, mm-hmm. and another person starts dialing in. And Teal, I love this scene also because Teal's like, "Oh, it's a pop <laughs> Jack's <And> reaction, what? <laughs> I wrote that down too, all caps. What? <laughs> Saving Poor Jack. Jack. I was out like... of room and I made the room. Poor Jack. He walks in on a firefight, they have to deal with the firefight, and then, like, I just, I loved that delivery, just, Jack, like, something else, I, I just, I love it. Wait. I'm sorry, Wait, what? What did I miss? Exactly, that's 100% what it is. What the hell happened here while I was in D.C.? I just, I would just be
0: screaming now, what the fuck happened here? I left you alone for a day!
1: (laughs) (laughs) What did you do, call him? Uh, so they decide to just, uh, (laughs) poorly hide behind some Stone and Apophis is so busy with Aminette that he doesn't even look. I don't know. Co- kudos to he, uh, the costume
0: department here because so obviously uh, Batia. Her. her dress management. Yeah, she did actually give yeah. birth, so her little birthing gown thing she was wearing plus her positioning when she got shocked totally. Hit oh yeah, I was plus, plus I was paying
1: attention to all that stuff right? the whole time. I was like, "You're doing yeah, a good shot. Right? You're doing a good job of like your clothing and yeah. her position yeah. hiding the fact yeah. that she's still also, pregnant."
0: Let's let's just point out for um for a fact here. Um, that despite what Hollywood, um, the body doesn't just snap back into pre-position no. after giving birth. You're still, it's gonna be stretched for a few weeks until that, you know, settles back mm-hmm. into, you know, it has to reset. And just like it took nine months to get there, it's gonna take more than a minute mm-hmm. to go back to the way it was. Yeah. So... It doesn't even matter, though, because through their really great costuming and everything, and you great can't job even framing, fucking tell yeah. that that actor is actually still, in fact, eight, no. nine
1: months pregnant. <laughs> it's job. It's really well done. Kudos. Um. But yeah, so Aminette comes out with good timing to keep him distracted. Uh, and Aminette tells Apophis that the child was stolen by hair work. I like I how she found a dress somewhere. She probably came in that dress. Oh duh, never mind. Yeah, she just wherever she put it, she wouldn't put yeah. it on. She tell she gives him that line, and there's an element again with these like really good like double acting where there's an element of when she gives that to that line to Apophis where she doesn't really buy it herself either. Yeah, there's definitely
0: more at play going on in her face, not like in a super detectable manner, but yeah. in a way like not like in a in a Apophis would detect it way. Obviously, a little bit more for the audience. Yeah, but you can see it. There's something like else underneath. Maybe? Yeah, absolutely. At the very least, there's an extra element going on there that, had, that there wouldn't
1: have been before. Mm-hmm. And to compound on that little moment of excellent acting, we see her actually look to the side, and she meets Daniel's And, eyes. and Oh, what do you know? It's
0: not just us who thinks that Daniel's badly hidden. She knew he was there. Well, at least, At the very least, she sees him. And she does not react. She looks at him. And then kind her of reacts, it. even honestly, just kind of like almost like she doesn't even like really open her mouth, but she just kind of like responds visually mm-hmm. to his thing. And but makes not only I that, Apophis would notice No, no, no. Right. he's facing the gate. No, she, she reacts in to yeah.
1: let him know. I, I fucking see yeah, like, okay, you. like kind of. And then makes a conscious choice to turn back to Apophis and not call out that the team is hiding around there. Somehow to me. and especially because okay. So here's what I think actually with her reaction to Daniel, on top of being like, yeah, I fucking see you. Her seeing Daniel hiding there would cement any of the lingering doubts she would have had that Harrower uh, taking the baby was a lie. Mm-hmm. Because if Daniel is free and hiding there, it wasn't Harrower, Right. Because Harrower had him as well. Exactly. Yeah. So her seeing that, that was her going, oh no, that was a lie. But she keeps it. She doesn't tell Apophis that they're hiding there. She doesn't say, oh, whoops, I lied. The he took it. She just turns back to him and just like, all right, let's go. Yep, we'll sold. figure it out. Yep. Yep. And walks out. They go back out through the gate. And, and Teal even calls out afterwards, just in case some people didn't notice her yep. catching the eye. She definitely sign. saw us. Yeah, he points out, it's like, she definitely saw us. Yeah. And so I like how,
0: because they leave it open-ended enough that you could, and I don't even think it'd be romanticizing it, you could interpret it as ray's control exerting itself a little bit. Mm-hmm. You could interpret it as Aminette mm-hmm. feeling something mm-hmm. there. Potentially. Yeah, I you could interpret uh, it as just self-serving. As in, she just sees him as a potential flaw in her lie that despite the outcome potentially being impothisating what he still wants to the kid, it still could backfire yeah. for her if she's just straight up on not on that train. Mm-hmm. So, I think it's it. a little
1: combination of all three. Exactly. Whatever it is. I-
0: yes, it's less of the expositing and mm-hmm. more of the trusting your audience mm-hmm. here. I like
1: it. But I do also like that uh, as Sam's dialing out for them, it's like, okay, we need to get out of here. We've run into too many freaking system lords in one. I've been here five minutes and I am unhappy. Just <laughs> <laughs> please. please. <laughs> just like, dial out. And then I do like that Jack takes a moment to be like, you all right, to Daniel? And Daniel's like, no, I'm not. But I will be. It's actually a pretty good idea. I, uh, I'm just going to assume, since it's not, you know, nothing directly contradicts it mm-hmm. yet. Uh, I'm
0: just going to assume that during her dialing process, someone goes, oh yeah, we better establish to Kasuf what just happened real quick and when to bury slash unbury the gate again. Yeah. <laughs> because, unfortunately, with the lack of cementing that with this ending, all we are left with is Sam just going peace out and not doing anything about yeah. the gate. Also, one more on that note, props to the Abedonians. Mm-hmm. These are untrained masons, and yet they can bury, unbury, and pur- Perfectly replace a Stargate yeah. on a podium exactly as the ancients Good intended. Them. Good and for Their them. understanding of ancient technology is just
1: fantastic. Yeah. And I got them started with that mining, all that mining. Right,
0: so <laughs> that, that's just, that shows the power of oratory learning. Hell yeah. <laughs> of of pa- passing down Listen, I'll buy traditions. Because I'm sorry, that has always pissed me off. The only Stargate to assess that. Is fucking Stargate Universe where they unbury a gate and they very like un it's leaning. Mm-hmm. They're like it- they get it upright enough to be operational and they're just like go 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 go, go, go. they get it dialed that's and they go. Funny. And it's clearly precarious. Yeah. But the whole point is clearly they also in the a time crunch, so it's not yeah. the best example. But I really do like how they unburied potentially forever, but but also potentially not forever, mm-hmm. but took the time to really resement
1: that yeah. fucker. <laughs> So, uh, but that is finally it for this episode. Um. If I say anything, I'll just make it longer. So yeah, let's just we're, go. We're man. done. <laughs> so,
0: uh, nobody on the team died. Daniel did give it a bit of an effort. He did. He did try. He tried
1: his best. As usual. He, he did ended, the really risky <gasps> it was prisoner gambit. It was yet again another callback to the movie <laughs> of <okay. okay>. him <laughs> mm-hmm. doing
0: his best attempt to get hand device to death. Yeah, absolutely. Just to get interrupted by an opportune ring and or a stargate mm-hmm. <laughs> activation.
1: Um uh, so are you a Jack or a Daniel for this episode?
0: Well, from the advocating for the only the person shouting just for the person being affected yeah. here, uh, I am probably a, a Daniel just from you know that yeah. obvious standpoint. On top of that, Everything I respect about Jack in this episode is things about him that I definitely could not exhibit. Like, yeah. I'd love to be able to respond the way he responds in all those situations. But I clearly specified then and mm-hmm. I will again now. I'll definitely reassert it. <laughs> I By then, I would have been sweating or fumbling. I, I, not that I can't think on my feet. It's just not, I wouldn't have been a secret keeper for a reason. Yeah. Let me put it to you that way. When it comes to high-pressure secrets, if I were to be surprisingly confronted about it by uh, by a reporter mm-hmm. in broad daylight like that say I'm not saying I would like spell the secrets yeah. but I definitely wouldn't respond nearly as smoothly as he does no. I would have responded more like your average congressman no comment car service fumbling shittily mm-hmm. but not giving anything away per se yeah like, he's amazing
1: in his scenes so yeah I'm definitely a Daniel I have to agree with you on being a Daniel because every every line he has in this episode I agree with wholeheartedly 100% pretty <laughs> fucking much um and jack? being a Sam in this isn't an option, so... I, for... Honestly, for a brief moment, I did entertain me being a Jack in this episode, just because when I'm required to, I can actually keep a pretty straight face. Um, there was a, a getting-to-know-you game in theater called If You Love You Smile, where you have to keep a straight face and you cannot smile. I never broke in that game. Nice. So, like, I can have that weird level of self-control if i was jack being approached by this reporter being like oh you have to go to your stargate huh i would have probably done the same thing as him just kept you know pulling out my stuff with the wallet or whatever and sorry what i could handle that the reason i decided i could not be jack in this episode is because of the fact that while he says he hates the politics he still knows how to operate with them definitely and the fact that i could keep my cool. When being confronted with a secret does not mean I can operate with politics, <laughs> right? Because I cannot tolerate. That's them. where you and I have exactly where exactly. We're, that's where we line back up against because it's it's the tolerating thing. <laughs> but yeah, so that's why I I wound up definitely leaning more towards Daniel than Jack in this episode. Sure. Uh, so Joaquin Phoenix, thumbs up. Thumbs up. Yeah. Even with the uh, roughshod pl- uh, reporter no, no. plotline, so all my all
0: my valid complaints aside, um, I do think it's an episode. I have serious issues with that slide. Not for it's con- not convenience yeah. or laziness. No. I definitely think it's just an accidental thing. In this case, I'm not excusing it though, no. because it's still a problem. This accidental slide that happens sometimes, deciding and acting and talking around this woman, yeah, as if she doesn't actively exist mm-hmm. and I understand that she's under control of an alien that's not the no. fucking point and in fact that should make this even more of an issue for yeah. you the more you are talking around it's her more
1: about her autonomy at exactly this
0: point. you should be understanding every single thing that you're doing to her is going to be even more painful Absolutely. because mm-hmm. of that that's extra layers of manipulation. she's literally every day her every moment is manipulation in the physical sense and yet, on top of that, now, on top of that, you're talking about as if she's then going to be her husband, mm-hmm. a part of this, these machinations, where she's now going to be a double-layer prisoner. So now she's going to deal with the unpleasantness of who the fuck knows what a in-prison at is like. Yeah. Internally. I don't even, can't even begin to imagine that. Yeah. I bet she can. Yep. So, here you go. That's my issue with this. I'm tired of that fucking lack of consideration. Mm-hmm. Oh,
1: so yeah, God. but that being said, thumbs up yeah. <laughs> Weirdly enough, thumbs up well, Yeah, it he gets the thumbs up Because of the fact that his so narrative well Isn't episode. enforcing that yeah. yeah,
0: notice, Secrets is a very good Episode because it Lives up to its name And
1: Absolutely. the name doesn't give
0: away anything about it That synopsis is garbage, but the name Doesn't give anything away no.
1: But yeah, so uh, that's it for this week Finally, six million years later <laughs> Next week, working around the new lockdown,
0: (laughs) this may or may not be your last on-time episode, depending on... We're going to see what we can do. I'm just going to say that because I don't know what might happen. My editing and uploading process is independent of us recording, so this week's episode that I'm Mm -hmm. recording right now, obviously this production will still be on schedule. We think we have a
1: solution that'll work. For us to record, even with the new lockdown, <laughs> think. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, at the worst case, we've got lots of deleted content that you can send me that we can. Oh, upload. you're right.
0: I uh, it's gonna be so much fun. It's all raw footage
1: from so many episodes. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So worst case scenario, we will still have something for you. It might just be us rambling about Elementary for ten minutes. Uh, but yeah. So uh, okay, time to time to stop. Next week we will be covering season two, episode ten. Bane, which is an episode I do not remember at all. I
0: can only think of Arkham Asylum right now. Sorry, I'm only thinking of Batman Arkham Asylum, the video game. I'm, for some reason, my first thing is that Dr. Young <laughs> is literally looking for Dr. Young's notes or some shit like that. It's I, the insect one. That doesn't help me. No, I might I'm not have... going
1: to spoil any more of this. Yeah, I don't remember it either. I feel like both of us have just never watched this episode. I don't know. Uh, we'll find out. Hopefully next week we do this episode. We'll see how it works out. We're trying to plan ahead for it. So one way or another, you'll get something next week. Hopefully it- it's Bane. So if you want to get a hold of us, you can find me on Twitter at It's Mel Not Liz And Liz at It's Liz Not Mel Or our podcast Twitter at PointOfOriginPC. You can also email us at PointOfOriginCast at gmail.com. Or write something on the side of a tissue box and toss it through the nearest wormhole.
0: You can find links to the things we talked about during the show in the show notes. And if you like the show, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Thank you for joining us on our incursion through the iris. And until next time.